Hello everybody, welcome to Frame Trap. I don't know about you panel, but it's been a non-stop train for me. It's one thing, we got GDC, we got the Switch launch, we got all these games, and that might sound like I'm complaining, but all of it has been pretty awesome and I'm excited to sit down and talk with you about it. I'm your host, Ben Moore, with me today, at the end there, the wonderful Daniel Bloodworth. Hello. The unfortunately sick Ian Hink. I'm feeling better. You feeling better? I mean, a little, a little better than yesterday. I mean, the reason I said that is you said twice, I'm sick as shit. Yeah. So. But uh, compared to yesterday, though, I'm okay. like 100%. All right. You're, you're, you're feeling better. Uh-huh. Well, that's good. And the dapper-looking Michael Huber dapper. rounding out. Is a shirt? Yeah. It's, like a, it's a good shirt. I like it's it. It's just a shirt. It's from it's New York. Yeah. New York, USA. <laughs> How old is that shirt? Christmas. Christmas. Uh, Christmas. That's a Christmas shirt. Yeah. Who got? Do you yeah. know who got you the shirt? Uh, my girlfriend's parents. Yeah. yeah. Here's a nice shirt. Yeah. I think this. Yeah. 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 I get that. Class I get that every year too. Uh, before we get into the the main segment of the podcast, what everyone has been playing, I just want to uh, do a little mental check in because uh, I feel like I need to let some things out. I I I've been. My job is to play video games and to talk about video games, or write about video games, all of that stuff. But I feel like it's been nonstop. Like it has been insane in a way that I don't know if I've I've experienced this in quite the same way at game trailers or even uh, Easy Allies, except for maybe the the around the launch of the PS4 Xbox One. It it kind of feels like that moment again. Um, I don't know if it's just because of all the trips I've been taking, but. Like, no matter what I'm playing, I feel bad that I'm not playing three other yeah. things. Is that kind of where you guys are mentally, or are you just riding it no, out? No, I mean, I've, I've, been, I, I've been in an awful place because I've been gone for a month, and in that month, with all the stress of everything going mm-hmm. on, I haven't played anything. And all this stuff is going by, and I'm like, oh, I guess I might not finish Final Fantasy XV for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everything else that's come out this year is like, barely touched it. I played For Honor like that. I got one match against you, and you killed me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I am all in on one game at a time right now, and it feels great. I'm so, not letting okay. the noise affect me. Great. I'm not letting the zeitgeist affect me. Great. I'm picking a game, batting down the hatches, digging in, and saying, "This is my game right now. I don't care about anything else." This is my game. And so you're, and you're forming good. this monogamous relationship with yes. one game, yes. and you're just saying nope yeah. to everything well, else. Well, I'm sleeping with For Honor on the side. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so, you know. Okay. For Honor is kind of my, like, oh, I got, like, 30 minutes. I got an hour to kill, yeah. you know? Sure. Let's, let's go. Slam home. piece. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm focusing on one game. It feels, it's the only way to do it right now, I think. Um, it's just too much. And there's too many long games right now. They're all very long. Yes. They are all very long. Yeah, but the games that I'm playing, I, I do feel like they justify that length well. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's like, tough. Whoa. It's an exhausting pace. Uh, I do have to say, Huber, I'm I'm really thriving in this environment because there a lot of what I'm playing is just excellent and it's making me yeah. feel good. Yeah. It's like, oh, this thing I love is at a high point right now. Mm-hmm. But you are kind of taking over the tap for me. And I don't think I've said this to you personally yet. Um, because I would say every two, three days, I will get a message on Slack from you. And that's that's the app we use to communicate with each other. Where you'll just, you'll just say, 
Yakuza Zero, and it's like, oh, okay, I, I kind of put Yakuza Zero a month away a month ago, yeah. but it's cool to to exactly. see that excitement from you, and it gets it it opens that excitement I, back up for I me. I had that feeling with Neo. I still haven't started it, but yeah. it's like when I start it, everyone's gonna be over it. So I'm gonna like bring it back, you know. You're gonna, gonna bring like, it gonna back. Like, Yo, I fought like a spider. Everyone's gonna be like, "Oh yeah!" Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just to the spiders now because I've been so busy. But spiders. Yeah, it, that you haven't been playing Neo blows my mind because it's like it's like Michael Huber the game. I know. Well, it's insane because I think Ben, you reviewed it, but I think you're the only one that's beaten it. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell oh, you about sure. the Sure, there's state? a lot of people that are not beating that game. I'm, I'm just saying yeah, for like I'm just saying for like easy allies proper, a very sure. uh, Soulsborn uh, like crew souls here. Like the souls. Yeah, you know, the fact that that Ben reviewed it and he's the only one that's beaten it says just how many games are out right now. We're scrubs. It well, there were scrubs. I felt it's just a time thing. Really good about beating. I feel I always feel good when I beat a game. You know, mm-hmm. you you. you you went on that journey, you saw it through to the end, mm-hmm. now you're putting it back on the shelf. That's that's a comforting process, yeah. but I've been getting people messaging me saying, when are you getting the platinum? And then they'll have a picture of their platinum trophy, <laughs> oh and I'm like, God. oh, I feel a little less good now. Platinuming Neo seems like it would take forever. Yeah. I didn't really take a close look at the trophy, yeah, so I, I have no idea. That entails, but but yeah. It seems very intense. Outside of the sickness, how you feeling, Ian? I'm, I'm all right. Okay. Busy, you've been busy. Yeah. We had some fun at GDC. We'll get into that. We did have some fun at GDC. Perhaps a little too much fun at GDC. Yeah. Perhaps. It was one of those things where we were shooting an episode of Easy Update and like we're laughing and at the end it's like, maybe none of that was usable. Yeah. But we had a good time. <laughs> yeah, we're both like tired and my camera keeps turning off because the battery was like being weird. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I was, I'm half cutting it now. So not right now. This morning I was. Half cut. Half cut. Speaking of GDC, Blood, uh, I feel like you and I were kind of rogue agents where you went and did your own thing, and I don't really know much about that, and I kind of <laughs> went and did my own thing, and you don't know much about that, so we're going to kind of come to the middle we, here. We were competing indie showcases. Right, we I was were. at the Xbox Indie Showcase, and at the same time, you were at the Nintendo Indie Showcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who will win? <laughs> from from earlier conversations, I feel like you might have gotten the better, better end of that deal, but... Uh, it was very good. I, I, I think that... Most of the stuff I played was pretty solid, pretty interesting. Okay. Um, to start off, the first one I played was called Beat the Game. And <laughs> and it's uh, like the style of it, I put somewhere between like Salvador Dali and like Beetlejuice. Whoa. It's just this kind of like weird, surreal, kind of dark, but not really dark mm-hmm. kind of thing going on. And then, uh, and so the idea was that you had to go around the world and collect all of these sounds into your mixer. And so, and then in your mixer, there were like, I don't know, like maybe 10 different channels and each of them had like three different sound options. And once you collected enough sounds, then that became the background music. So you like mixed in your own background music with whatever collection of sounds that you would get. But it, it's, it was kind of like playing as like a Foley artist in a way because you would just like point a microphone at stuff flying around in the air or you would find some drumsticks and start beating on like a a fallen street light and stuff like that to like record these sounds and then there would be other characters in the game that you'd have to like try not to scare away Um, and then it looked like like kind of the end of the level would be to like collect all of the sounds that are in the level and then go put on a little DJ concert or something mm, like that. Sounds awesome. Sounds like a Bossman game. So they said it's not going to be too long. It's going to be like two or three hours or something like that. But it's just it was an interesting concept. 
the next one uh, is Songbringer. Um, it's kind of a pixel art, um, kind of similar to like a Hyperlight Drifter or Swords and Sorcery. Very Zelda One inspired, where like you walk around an overworld and then you go into little caves, and some of them are shops, and others are dungeons, and others are just bosses. Uh, the thing is, is it's the whole world is procedurally generated, but it's procedurally generated based on like a six-letter word. So it's almost like old school passwords in a way. Like if you always put in the same word, you're always going to get the same world. But then there's all these different combinations. Mm -hmm. So I guess like how the layout and the bosses are and stuff could be really different. For that one, uh, how is the moving around and the fighting? Is it like Zelda 1 where you kind of move, stop, swing a sword sort of thing? Or how does that work? You could you could swing a sword while, while moving. Um, the thing was it was more of like a slashy animation. I had... A little bit of a hard time hitting with that compared mm. to like a Zelda where it's just it's more like a spear than a sword. Gotcha. Mm. Um, and then um, there's a top hat boomerang. So, and uh, there's a lot of things that were very Zelda that they they, they kind of uh, just kind of renamed like uh, rather than having hearts for health, you have like little triangles of courage. Mm. So you don't lose all your health, you lose all your courage. Uh, so. Funny little things like that. That happens to me when I get hit by a <laughs> bunch of times too. Um, yeah, they also had bombs and uh, some other things like that. Oh, the the triangles there were teeth. That's what it was. You're like collecting teeth. Mm. Um, what's up? So you're saying that, that these worlds are kind of based on these six-letter words. Yeah. Uh, did they... I got only a brief explanation. I don't know it exactly how it works. Sounds like a seed randomizer. Yeah, yeah. I, having not knowing a single thing about this game and. Maybe reaching here a little bit. Did, it, did the world feel well constructed, or did it feel like kind of stitched together parts? Um, I don't know if I played enough of it to say for sure, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it, there was sort of like you could sort of see where like the key areas that you needed to go could be, and then I think like you get enough things, and then you could you could go into a dungeon. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, this is, again is like a lot of these are just like very quick like. 15, 20 minutes, hit, hit, and get out. Um, I think I got, I wound my way to uh, a dragon, and then a dragon just annihilated me, and then it was time to to move on. Yeah. Um, the next one is one that I think Huber in particular would really like. Uh, psychological horror. Nice. First person. It's called Observer, and um, and so it starts out like you're. I guess they called him like a neural detective or whatever. And so it starts out, there's a crime scene, and you go, you're just in this apartment building, you knock on a door, you ask people what's going on. This is from, um, oh god, who did this? They just did, uh... I don't think I wrote it down. Oh. Might be around in it's here all, somewhere. It's on my but... tongue! Hmm? I'll get it. it. You keep going, boy. Yeah. It'll come to me. So, anyway, so, like, it starts off, like, kind of a normalish crime scene. You ask the neighbors questions, and they're like, yeah, the people were fighting next door or whatever. You walk down the hall... And then, like, you start seeing, like, some blood on the ground. You go in, and the guy is, uh, he, he's just, like, there, and he's, like, just been completely beat up, and he seems like he's dying. He needs an ambulance, and he can't talk when you start asking him questions. So your detective jacks in to his mind to uh, try to get an idea of what happened. But the thing <laughs> is, is it's, like, the mind doesn't just do replays. And so the whole world at that point just becomes crazy because it's like you get this the like hallways shifting around and like you look at one thing and then you turn around and then like there's a door in front of you where there wasn't one before. And it's like these things from his past 
uh, like being in prison and stuff, like all this stuff just starts merging together and things glitching out. And like you go into like kind of these endless loops where like you walk into one room and then there's like three exits, but then like you go through an exit and you're like, you just walk into the same room again and you have to figure out, <laughs> yeah. you have to look for a clue to figure out how to get through the rooms. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of crazy. It's from uh, Bloober Team, the guys. Bloober, yeah. Layers of Fear. Layers of Fear. Yeah, and Aspire, oh, yeah. I think, is publishing. Yeah. So quick, you got that. Quick, yeah. quick aside for Huber, I have a question. Hmm. Uh, I try to play a lot of horror games. You probably play three times as many as I do. Four hour games. Not horror. just horror, horror games, games. Horror, horror games. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. And you're <laughs> I feel like I've kind of hit a sweet spot where I can comfortably play horror games, mm-hmm. but I'm and I'm not so freaked out that I can't get through them, but they still have an effect on me. I still yeah. feel it. I get I get anxious and yeah. kind of the the cheap tricks still work. Yeah. Is that still working for you? Do you I, still get scared? I I I've talked about this in the past briefly, but horror to me you have to allow it to affect you, and I do. <laughs> so you I, think it's a mental switch. For me, it is personally. Mm. I I drop my guard. You know, I I get in a zone, a vulnerable state. Right. You know, and that's exciting. Where for I'm you. trying You're not. Yeah, that. I love it. I'm not trying to overthink it. I'm not trying to be like, oh, there's something in there. Like, turn the light on. You know, it's just like. I'm just gonna go naturally. It's like, it's like what Tommy Lee Jones says at the beginning of No Country for Old Men. He just says, "Sure, I'll be a part of this world." Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I'll be a part of this world. Exactly. Well, good put. pull. <laughs> Sorry, blood. No, it's fine. Um, Etherborn. I'm not so sure. I'm sold on. It was like, it was like Mario Galaxy, but more like puzzly and less freedom. Like, you could only switch sides on a surface by, like, going on, like, a ramp, like, a curved thing that would then take you onto the other, like, gravity, basically. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was a little little slow and not always that easy to, to sort of sort out, like, where I needed to go. Because, it, you know, it is, like, that full 360 degrees of the planetoid or whatever the heck you'd want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh yeah, <laughs> not not quite as fast or fun, and so it's it's a little weird, but maybe like it'll turn out more with, with more planetoid. Planetoid, <laughs> great word. Humanoid. Um, planetoid. One that I did like uh, is like uh, Moonlighter. It's like a, it's it's like a normal dungeon crawler, except the purpose of going into the dungeons is to. Um, to be, more or less get items to sell in your shop, your shopkeeper. Yes. So you go in and you fight like these hard dungeons and you pick up these items and there's like, there's the stuff that you carry in your pockets and then there's the stuff that you carry in your backpack. So when you die, you lose all the stuff that's in your backpack, but you keep the stuff that's on you. So you can kind of prioritize. And then there's this other weird thing where there, uh- some of the items are cursed. And so, like, if you pick up this item, then it'll block out the next spot in your backpack, so you can't put anything next to it. Are there um, items that can only fit in your backpack? You can't. No, put them in it was your... just like it was just tiles. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, there was nothing like that. So nothing that took like up more than one loop. tile. Uh, but then the the other side of the loop when you're in town is uh, when you put stuff on sale. Like you have like four little spots on your table, and you have to set the price. And at first, you have no idea what anything is worth. So you just mm-hmm. put them out there and you stick a price on it. And then customers come in and you watch their expression. And, like, 
if they're like then you know your price is too high if they're like super happy you know your price is too low so you kind of get that like that medium like oh, okay so if you set it out for a low price can they buy it immediately at that price or can yeah, yeah. you be like no, no, no wait then... a second here <laughs> you seem a little too happy i didn't know <laughs> yeah. what this should have been yeah. you gotta learn but then the thing that starts awesome. happening is like things like go up and down in popularity so you you like you don't just get it like it it continues to evolve over time based on <clears throat> The rarity and how popular something is. Oh, it's just so thinking good. economy. It right. is economy <laughs> in the game. Uh, question about selling the stuff. Uh, to what greater end are you doing this? What if you if you are running a super successful shop? How does that further you in the game? I suppose. I think it helps you to be able to like upgrade your own equipment because there shop. are like. <laughs> like blacksmiths and enchanters and stuff in the town okay so it's like you're getting the materials to sell but you also need to get better equipment to go deeper right okay sure that makes sense so yeah what's the what's the dungeons what are they like Like, um there's uh, like yeah there's top down um they're yeah they're pretty pretty hard i'm trying to think if i wrote anything down specifically about that stuff but uh, yeah i had to actually it's like some of this stuff is like one pagers um man that sounds cool but Uh, no, just just this idea. I'm really stuck on this one because yeah. it's so, yeah, so the cool. the idea is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I I hope that it like maintains interest because you know like just setting a price and watch watching people like over time. I don't know how cool that's gonna be. When, but, when uh, you're in the shop, does it go first person? So no, no, no. Like, that, that game is that game is all top down pixel game. Okay. So uh, got it. these these other characters that are in the town. You mentioned the blacksmith. Can you interact with them? Do they have a personality to them? Um, yeah, they have a bit of personality. Okay. Yeah. Um, the next one is, uh, by by the same, uh, 11 bit, uh, Tower 57. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's like a gritty kind of dystopian thing and, and you're basically like a group of assassins. And so you like, you pick between, there's one that's like just called the Dawn. So <laughs> that's pretty good. Like full-on gangster. There's a spy. There's a scientist. There's a police officer, um, and uh, it's like a co-op um, shooter. But we only play, only playing single player, so it's kind of funny. Like I pick up certain weapons, and like uh, I'll, it's it's not doing anything. It's like it's just to hold the guy in place. Um, and then uh, oh, there's this weird thing where like certain enemies can bite bite your legs off. <laughs> And so then you have Whoa. to like go to like a station and like buy new legs so you can keep moving at full speed. <laughs> <laughs> you got new legs. But you can legs. keep moving without the legs. Yeah, Just you can keep moving along. without the legs. But so uh, I think you might have to try to get through like in one shot because basically when you pick like your group, mm-hmm. um, like when you die, then like that character's dead. Like and the next mm. you you go to the next one in your your lineup and you go and you pick up the weapons off their corpse, whichever one you want to hang on to. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think about what else. There's Tommy gun. There was like a black hole gun. Can you get a baseball bat? Uh, no, they're pretty much all guns. So <laughs> There might be a baseball bat, but I don't, I don't think I saw it. Uh, quick question about all of the games that you saw at AD, but Xbox as, as yeah. a whole. Uh, Ian and I went to... I did Xbox at GDC last year, and I remember seeing a lot of things and, and being very impressed. And now, uh, a couple of those titles that I was 
extremely excited about still haven't come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of got to me. And what was one of the things that was nice about the Nintendo event is I would say the majority of games were coming out in the very near future, within a month or two months of uh, right now. And so that was that was kind of reassuring, knowing that they were they they had very much pinned down when these games are coming out. Uh, did you get that sense here? Like, do you have a kind of rough release idea no, for a lot not, of these things? Not specifically. I mean, I know like beat the game supposed to be coming out in the next couple of months sometime. Um, I'm not sure about Observer. I actually I actually observed uh, an issue that they hadn't thought of yet because <laughs> I play inverted, right? And so uh, you play inverted? Yeah, I play inverted. I knew Jones yeah, played he's inverted. A yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a Joneser. So it's funny because I said it to inverted, but they they didn't just have the camera inverted; they had other controls inverted. So like mm. to push open a door, I had to pull back on the stick. So I was like, Whoa. I, I let them know about that. I was like, yeah. yeah, you guys gotta gotta think about that one. Have you played um, inverted like from the beginning, or did, was yeah. it something you switched to? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yo, you were talking about games delayed. I think of uh, Cuphead. And yep, that was yep. one of the games. Cuphead. But I think and Cuphead, Below. like, they completely changed the game Below? design, right? Below. Do you remember that one? Right. Yeah, and Below I mean, that was. Always we, there, were, yeah. we were talking about that at the Years onset ago. of the Xbox One. Yeah. 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 Well, Cuphead, they added levels yeah. because literally every person who picked up the game was like, oh, Everyone. this is a cool demo. I can't wait to see what the, the real levels are like. And they're like, yeah. oh, it's just a boss rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then every single person was like, Oh. oh, okay. <laughs> Which I would have been fine with. Adding. I mean, yeah, you would have been fine, some... but like, it would have been like, okay, that's that really cute looking boss rush game that you played for a day and then stopped. Like, mm-hmm. was but it isn't great? that what they're changing? Aren't they well, adding levels to it? I think that's what they're adding. Yeah. Th- there are two things that I, I, I totally agree with that, but having recently played Fury, yeah. I'm more open to that idea. Totally. Sometimes that, that focus and the... Like, what was nice about Cuphead playing it at Idea at Xbox is there was enough challenge there, mm-hmm. enough depth, that you could kind of dig into those fights. And so I was I was more into the idea after I got hands-on time with it, and I thought it could work. But, but like, I'm excited Fury for levels as well. Fury didn't get, like, mass- massively popular either. You know, like, I want... Fury. Cuphead sure. is Cuphead is so beautiful mm-hmm. that I want it to have a mass appeal. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's fair. Yeah. Hopefully. It wasn't there, GC. I didn't see Cuphead, but I can't. It. I didn't uh, see it at all. I I didn't really check out. Um, I mean, I Xbox think I, yeah, I would have noticed it if it were in the launching on indie Scorpio. room. I think maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be on the Switch U. Um. So yeah, so that was it for the ID at Xbox. Cool. Also, that uh, that was Tuesday. Uh, I went to a couple of sessions that were probably slightly over my head, especially the first one. So the first one was. Uh, AI-driven animation in Doom. And there's a lot of math in that session. <laughs> Sounds awesome. But, man. yeah, just talking about, you know, like having the the AI being able to make the decisions for where they're going to go and then, like, all of those animations blending together and kind of fudging, like, rather than being a set distance, like, it'll fudge the distance to go, like, where the character wants to be mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, like, blending together fireballs and stuff like that. And they talked about the... Uh, one one thing that I, I did take away was they talked about like the four um, damage responses. They talked about the twitch where they kind of keep going through it, mm-hmm. and then pain, and then stagger, which is super important, and then uh, you know, and then death animation. Uh, Blood, you made me think of something that I want to bring up. But we don't have to dwell on it because sure. um, it is kind of a, I don't know. You, we we could. 
you're you're talking about this being over your head and, and sort of like the minutia of the AI. And as somebody who covers games, sometimes I worry about game literacy that maybe we don't, we should understand more about how these games function and, you know, why these things are good and bad instead of just saying, oh, the fights were intense kind of thing. Is that, right. is that something that you worry about or think about? Or maybe maybe that detail is is unnecessary for the average viewer how do you how do you feel about that i mean i mean it kind of goes both ways i mean that's why i went to this thing you know right. to, you know to learn some about how this stuff works you mm-hmm. know and so you know like i've got a note here for like foot phase tracking you know <laughs> like stuff that they do to make sure that they their legs don't cross between each other mm-hmm. you, know, it's, mm-hmm. you know it's like it's all pretty complicated stuff and then having their making sure that enemies like keep their focus on you and and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. um yeah so it's like it, you know, it kind of goes both ways. You know, it's like you, you can learn a lot there. But then, like, when they put up this formula with all the algebra or whatever on the screen, it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Second. You know, so it just kind of depends, you know, on how it goes. Um, mm-hmm. I went to kind of a similar one. It was actually in the same room right after was um, about the combat AI in Watch Dogs 2. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really interesting because they, they were explaining, like, how the AI makes decisions about, like, where to take cover and, like, when like they had like this whole chart of priorities of like you know when to go to the next cover like when to stay where they're at and and all of this stuff and there was a lot in there that was talking about like how they just had to keep iterating to basically fix like huge issues like you're talking about uh do you did you play through it all like a couple hours ago then yeah you didn't get all the way through so it's, it's a later thing but there's just there's just Basically, there's a ship with, like, a huge ramp that goes up to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, playtesters were saying that, you know, it was really crappy because, like, all the enemies or would just run down the ramp into their gun and they would just mow them all down. And they're like, well, they're not supposed to do that. Why are they doing that? And they found out that somehow the AI was identifying a cover point on the other side of the player as the best available cover, mm-hmm. you know? And so they, ha- you know, and then they had to start blocking. I was like, okay, don't cross between these angles. And, and, and there's a lot of things like that. Things were talking about like interacting with other designers, like level designers and stuff. And it's like, it's like, yeah, you've designed this really great level, but there's too many pathfinding requests going to the AI. And so it's bogging down the CPU. And so like, we need you to put like one more opening here. And that level designer is like, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> it screws up everything that he he thought of so um and then like a lot of part you know like yeah pathfinding i guess was was a big thing that like a, like just them figuring out where to go and the civilians figuring out like all of these different characters in the game making requests to the system to like hey i need to go here how do i get there kind of thing i oh that's so fascinating because Thinking about my time with Watch Dogs 2, I never would have thought about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I right. never would have thought about, you know, how the level of design influences uh, AI pathfinding and all that. And I oh, I want more postmortems on games. I, I I miss the final hours, you know, that Jeff Keighley did. And that's that's why I respect what Danny O'Dwyer is doing so much with Noclip, kind of digging into specific things and, and revealing games in, in ways that maybe you wouldn't think about. Yeah. And they, uh, they also talked about uh, when you're in kind of the unreachable state so like when you get up on a scissor lift or like on another building or something like the ai just they can't get to you there's no way to get to you there's no cover point that's an advantage for you and they're talking about they basically um they would go like into cover 
after you miss two shots from like a sniper rifle or whatever, or one kill, and then they would basically just hunker down and not move towards you, not get out in, into the open. So then you've got to, you know, think about moving position. So. Cool. Very cool. It's very cool. Uh, yeah, I talked about that stuff. And then I've got a great Zelda talk that we'll talk about later. Um, the Later in the week, I saw a game called Genesis, which I think you want to be into. What, what's the one you streamed lately? The um, space Elite game. Dangerous? Oh, yeah, Elite Dangerous. So this is like... You're managing a space station, but you're also like trying to find. You're, yeah, you're trying to find like that that world to populate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you start off with like only f- like five crew members, but then there's like all of these different modules that you can build onto your station. So there's there's like the greenhouse, and then there's like you can do like social modules for like a bar and stuff like that. And then one of them is like a cloning module, sure. and so you then like clone your crew members but then you like infuse them with like alien dna to like give them different attributes and stuff like that and then you send them on like different away missions to planets and they come back but you've got to like set up turrets in your hangar because sometimes they come back with like spores and stuff hanging on and the the guys like whole station like got infected there are all these eggs and stuff in the vents and he's going around like he's going around like trying to clear the eggs (laughs) but then he didn't do it quickly enough and so like his crew members are turning into like these golem things and and attacking him and things are setting on fire and first person uh yeah it's it's first person whoa um although the uh all of the terminals and stuff that you interact with are like ms dos Oh, funny. Had that, like that Event aesthetic. Zero, kind of. Yeah, so I think I think it was really very much going towards like like the original Alien kind of yeah, vibe, yeah. taking on that aesthetic. Um, and then I played some uh, ukulele. Mm-hmm. I played play a little bit as well. Yeah, very 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 little. Um, and How's I it shaping up? Uh, it's actually shaping up quite well. I think so too. Uh, yeah, it's good. To um, I read an article on waypoint that i thought was interesting uh saying how the game kind of opens up and suddenly you just immediately have a ton of things to collect yeah uh and kind of questioning that maybe overwhelming the player too early and i kind of had the opposite response uh i maybe it just worked in the demo setting but being plopped in that world and looking around like, oh, I want to go there, I want to go there, it reminded me of how I felt while playing Gravity Rush 2, where I wasn't necessarily trying to get through a level, I was just having fun finding things. Yeah. And to me, that feels very true to their premise of we're making a spiritual successor to those 3D platforms that you love. And so it just, it seems spot on to me. Yeah, yeah, I thought that the, the controls were really tight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like... I'd hit some switch and had to go through some rings, and you know, I, you know, I had to attempt that a couple of times, so it wasn't super easy. Right. Um, and then, you know, the the character design stuff is done really well. There's this weird, like, there are these. It's it's almost like making fun of all the old school platformers and Mario games and stuff because there's like they're just these eyeballs that bounce around and then attach to an inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. So they'll like jump onto a barrel and then you'll be fighting a barrel. Oh, cool. But then if you smash the barrel and don't kill the eyeballs, then they'll jump onto a crate and you'll be like, oh. <laughs> this kind of I like, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, Game well, looks really good. It does. Too. I really like the way it looks. I also like, in the demo that I played, how 
many movement options I had immediately. I can roll around, I can glide, I can, you know, I've got this tail whip attack. I just, I just felt like right away from the, from the minute I put the controller in my hands that I could just very easily navigate this world and, and poke around at things and, and try, like, like you were saying, where I, I had this platforming challenge where I failed it a couple times and you, you have that moment where it's like, can I do this? And then you just do that one little thing different and you get through it and it feels really satisfying. Also, that bat and that lizard both look thrilled to be there. They do! <laughs> They're both just, like, beaming smiles. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you guys are having a blast. Well, that big red nose. And I, that. I had played the toy box thing they released way back, um, and I don't think that they had the, the lick ability in there yet. Like, you mm. can, like, lick certain things, and, like, I, I there was... Right. There was a, one that was, like, flame breath. There was another that was, like, ice. And then there was one where it was honey, and I didn't, I didn't understand what that was for. But You lick honey, or you have honey breath? You well, you you lick honey and then like you absorb. Oh, oh. like yeah, I, I feel power. like I was like like turned all yellow or something like that. I don't know exactly what it was for. Somebody else probably knows Heightened from all the other previews. resistance probably to. Um, you're gonna try to play some of that preview maybe before it comes out, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, but that's pretty soon. That's like next month. Add it to the stack. Next yeah. Month. <laughs> <laughs> um, stack them up. And then let's uh, two of the. Like, two of my favorite panels I went to are, like, retro panels. Yes. Um, one was on Seaman. Yes. Seaman. And, dude, man, that was, that was crazy. Before this, I thought Seaman was, like, coming back as a remaster. I got yeah. really, really excited, and Blood was like, no, it was a panel. And I was like... <laughs> so what, what was the, the framing for the Seaman attack? What, why were they talking about Seaman? Yeah. Um... I mean, I think they just have like these once in a while where they like let's talk, you know, talk about an older game that hasn't, you know. Okay, I mean, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I didn't realize that Seaman was apparently like hugely popular in Japan. Hmm. Like it was a like it was a big deal over there, and uh, like did pretty well on sales. Um, I guess the the company that he was working for. Like, kind of what started it is that they were, like, making, like, virtual aquarium software, you know? Like, just, like, those stupid desktop things. Mm -hmm. And so, like, they were already had, like, fish all over the office and, you know, that kind of thing swimming around. But then he's also inspired by, like, there's a Japanese comedian that would, like, look directly at the camera and kind of, like, make fun of the audience. And uh, and then sea monkeys apparently always terrified him. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so... So he kind of put all these things together, and uh, and one of the things he was talking about was early on, he like showed some of the first sketches to his wife, you know, because like the whole idea of like having a face on a fish, yeah. And you know, she was just she was just like, oh, that that that's gross, you know, or whatever. And, yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, she came back to him and she's like, well, how's that thing going? He's like, oh, I thought you didn't like that. It's like, I said I didn't like it. I didn't say I wasn't interested in it. Right. Yeah. And so that became like one of the whole goals for the project is like, let's p- make people hate this. <laughs> it is very unsettling. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, because he said, like, the opposite of love isn't hate, it's disinterest. So if we make people hate it, then they'll be interested in it and maybe they'll buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's a gamble. Yeah. Didn't really work out. So, and it, he, <laughs> he apparently, like, did, like, all of that writing, like all the stuff that Seaman asks you and stuff, like he wrote all of those scenarios, and, wow. and he thought that like that would make the most sense just to like to stay in that character rather than having like a team of people to like one person, just like whatever that crazy personality is, it's gonna come from him. 
And you can talk to Seaman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah, talk to it with a microphone. And it would yeah. start asking you, like, invasive personal questions. Yeah. and <laughs> You know. Man. That's kind of the brilliance of it. Because, because it is so weird, so grotesque, it can say anything to you. And it <laughs> doesn't feel... It might yeah. feel wrong, but it doesn't feel out of character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we need more Seaman. And he was talking Two about... Yeah, and, Japan, and part right? of that... Wasn't there a sequel uh, only also, in No, Europe? it also... Europe and Japan? Yeah, I think it was Europe and Japan. I don't think it hit the States, all right? I, I actually have a copy of Seaman 2. Seaman 2? Yeah. We should play it. We Seriously. should do a Seaman retrospective. <laughs> oh, and so, and then part of the, in, like, invasive questioning I is, could like, be wrong he said, that release, uh, but... no one's uninterested in themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's where it comes in. It's like it starts asking you questions, and you start telling it your day, and then... Yeah. And he's, he said he heard all these stories about people that were, like, out at the bar, and, like, I gotta go home and feed my seed man, or, like, would take their Dreamcast with them so that they could keep their steam man alive See, and all that's that. perfect for the Switch. Yeah. yeah, it really is. You just C-Man. take C-Man with you to the you, bar. At the C-Man Switch? would do really well. Do on you? Switch. <laughs> do you? Do you think you just you're you're just cool with busting out? Flip up that kickstand, yeah, like, yo, yeah, check right. out my C-Man. Can you imagine the looks that you would get. <laughs> in, in, but in so, but here's the thing: is he said it right at the beginning of the talk because like the, some of the other games he made were like Sim Tower mm-hmm. and Odama. Do you know Odama? No. I do know. Ben Odama. knows Odama. Yeah. Odama is like a real time strategy battle with a giant freaking pinball in the middle of it yep uh, so you shoot a pinball out to like mow over the other troops but then you have to try to keep from mowing over your own troops and so you're yelling voice command at your troops to like go left or go right or attack oh, or weird. yeah it's craziness it's uh yeah it's only on the gamecube i only played it the e3 i never actually played the final game um but he showed some of that uh but he's been out of gaming for a few years but he's talking about now he's working on some weird thing related to bitcoin somehow bitcoin. <laughs> like i don't know it's gonna be like and it's funny because he was talking about like a lot of the ideas that i want to do or, or no, somebody asked him like what do you would do if you made c-man today and like a lot of things i'd want to do like i can't really do them because like they won't allow you to for privacy reasons because like he was talking about like they would it would scan your email and start asking you things about like well why isn't that person replied to your email yet <laughs> just like makes you go insane oh my god so it kind of reminds me like of uh, her a little bit that oh, level of, yeah. of right. knowing about you uh the other one i went to that i really really loved was uh they had a session on oregon trail mm-hmm. and uh and i didn't realize until like after we played that card game oregon trail goes back to 1971 wow it was on a computer before computers had screens. That is nuts. I had no idea. Yeah. So basically they were like, it was him and two other guys that were like in college to become teachers. And he was on a history and they were both math. And one of the math guys like knew about computers. And so like when they were going to like actually go into schools and start like working to teach students, uh, they had to come up with uh, something to, you know, like something for them to engage with. And so they, he was starting it as a board game, and they're like, well, why don't we make this a computer game? And so they, like, typed up all this code over, like, two weeks, and it was on a mainframe. And then, like, they accessed the mainframe through a teletype, which is basically a typewriter that's hooked up to a phone, and you stick a phone into this thing. <laughs> and, and so it was all typing. It was all on printer, basically. And so the, the mainframe would, would send them all of the questions and stuff and tell them the information, and then they would, you know, type what to do, and so, like, hunting, like, they would 
like when they'd see an animal, they would have to like type like fire or bang. And, File. Right. But here's the thing. If you made a typo, you missed the shot. And if you were too slow typing the word out, then you got less meat. Typing of the dead. Yeah. It's actually like pretty smart. It's yeah. pretty cool. So this is so cool. Yeah, so they had they had that there. But and here's the other thing that like I I probably thought about a little bit, but not I didn't really know how in depth, but like in later versions, he actually like went through all of these diaries from people and like researched like what okay, what are all the things that, that happened to people on the trail? And that um, damn cholera. And what? And the thing was, it was like, what are all the probabilities? So he's right. figuring out the historical probabilities of things happened to you, but not just overall the whole trip, but like what points on the trail? How likely is this to? Ha- so they had these curves for how likely things were going to happen to you based on where you were on the trail, and that's why like that's so cool. all of this stuff like was so engaging because you you didn't really have a predictability to it. But it was still educational because these are things that really happen to people. Uh, like and the earliest the, uh, example of RNG. Yeah. Well, and then one <laughs> well, of the things he said... Not yeah. at all. It's <laughs> based on actual history. Yeah. yeah and, then, and then one of the other things that he was saying um, when he started revising these things later was that, um, you know, originally, like, because of Hollywood and stuff like that, like, the, like, the Indians were just always... Like, Indians attack you. And, like, that was just, like... A bummer thing that would happen to you but as he, he researched it more it's like actually the indians helped people more than uh the more than they attacked you yeah. know and so like out of the, all these things where like N- native americans would like show you the right kind of thing to eat or like you know tell you to avoid that area and, and, and that sort of There's thing fresh water over there yeah that kind of thing. so so it's really interesting because yeah he he went through all of that stuff and then he got into like the history of like the you know because it was all based through it was all done through like the minneapolis or the minnesota school system um and uh and it evolved as you know basically as technology evolved through the the 80s and 90s and he called but he calls the iphone version an arcade version <laughs> because it doesn't have any of the historical stuff mm. it's just like whatever um that's true I love it so yeah much. that's rng <laughs> so that was super fascinating and there's like a whole bunch of other stuff in there a um, couple other games I played before we wrap up. Um, I played uh, Formula Fusion, mm-hmm. which is from from some of the ex Wipeout guys. So it definitely has that Wipeout feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the main, I say the main difference between that and some of the other ones that I've played recently is they're putting a lot of emphasis on like customizing your vehicle. So, like, you don't just pick up a variety of weapons on the track. Like, you select a main weapon and a sub-weapon, and then there are also all of these attributes of, like, okay, how is this weapon going to fly, and, like, how fast is it going to be, and, and same thing, like, with all of your, your handling and, and stuff like that. Like, you, you, they call them cards, but they're basically just, like, different attributes that you slot in to make your craft and your weapons your own. Um, and they also talked about... Uh, doing a lot with the uh, replay editor and, and like really being able to do a lot more replays than, than most games do. So putting emphasis on that. And then the last one I can talk about right now is Snake Pass. Snake, Snake Pass. Pass. Snake Pass. You, you, <laughs> Snake Pass, okay. Snake Pass was like everywhere. It was. It had to be at like six or seven different yeah. places. Mm-hmm. I saw it was, it was at Xbox. It was at Switch event. Mm-hmm. It was at 
Andy Mega booth. Yep. It was at the Unreal booth. It was somewhere else on the. I saw it somewhere else. Floor. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a, like a couple yeah. more other places. It was crazy because I we we checked into our hotel and then we had the first day of the event and then I didn't get back until <clears throat> late at night. I was very very tired and I opened up my door and there they got a steak pass demo in my room <laughs> and they just they wouldn't shut up i'm trying to go to bed and snake pass <laughs> i believed i believed it i'm sorry for lot, thing, like, sorry for that everybody for a lot longer than i probably should have um, believed that but yeah so uh ian got the story of psx uh, like the guy was basically he was a little like a little big planet designer he like yeah. had designed basically levels he was just a player that designed levels in little big planet was so good that they hired him at sumo digital the dream, uh, and uh, and I guess like they had him like working on um, like uh, they 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 challenged him to make something in Unreal, and so he started working on a rope, and somehow like something that happened with a rope gave him the inspiration to make it, this yeah, snake it thing. Got physics yeah, and it looked like a snake. And and I guess he has like a biology background, so he's like really just, like trying to make it like deal with like how snakes actually move and the muscles and things like that. And so he had to like learn along the way. They had to fudge some things because like it's you know a snake can't just go in a straight line. It has to to move yeah. back and forth. And like and there's still like that element like that's core to it that you've got to undulate, I guess, mm-hmm. to move forward. Um, but it's it's not as unforgiving as like some of his earlier prototypes. Well, and he also said that the first snakes that he made in the game were like really realistic looking, and they were just terrifying and gross. <laughs> and everyone was like, ah. So then he made it a lot cuter, and everyone was like, yeah, snake pass. I think somebody said, I can't remember who it was back at PSX, but somebody was like, you should make that a mode. I think Bossman said that. They're like, make that an unlockable. Like, after you beat the game, make the unlock the, the real like, mode. Terror yeah. snake mode, yeah. <laughs> Anaconda. Yeah. But yeah, so it's a 3D platformer, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you try to collect the keys in the world and there's a lot out. of stuff to collect yeah you've got keys you've got orbs you've got coins but the keys Alloy are all you need to like get to the next level yes and that's something that's one of the things that i i love about it is because the movement is the whole point you're just trying to figure out how to contort yourself to get up everything and it, it's a constant struggle uh if you kind of get in a groove you have a bunch of extra stuff that you can chase after yeah. but if you're getting frustrated those keys are easier to find yeah. than a lot of that other stuff. You can just move on and, and feel good and kind of refresh yourself. And I think that was a very smart decision. This feels like an evolution of nightmare physics games like Octodad or QWERTY or whatever. I, I'd like, say that's fair. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, it's still that kind of, but it's actually like, they intend you to actually play this game mm-hmm. like a game too. I I played more Octodad than I played this. I just played a little bit of a demo, but I, I felt like my objective and... What I needed to do was clearer than an Octodad. Like, I was getting yeah, less yeah. frustrated like than something in an Octodad. Yeah, snake. it is. Octodad is like, haha, this is weird. And Snake Pass yeah. is like, this is weird, but it's an actual game. Yeah. What I was worried about and what I was waiting for in my demo is, like, oh, man, I'm I'm struggling just getting over this hill. I, don't, I can't wait to run into enemies that are just going to aggravate me and do the whole thing. No. They're just focusing on... You getting through obstacles. There's nothing getting in your face, blasting lasers at you, or trying to jump on you or anything like that. And I, I also appreciated that very much. Yeah, but yeah. So like, just to let the audience know, like a lot of it's like simple stuff. Is like there's like these bamboo structures, yeah, so like really thin structures. So you kind of have to like do the twisting, the the slithering thing, 
Snake. And then Slithery yeah, the snake, snake your thing. way up it. Snake your way up, and then but then you also have to like raise your head mm-hmm. and then like coil yourself around things so that you don't fall off of things, and, and then work your way in the direction you want to go. And so it can be like like this really crazy mental game because at one moment I'm like, oh I've got this, and I'm like woo, yep. And then I'll slip off of something, and I'll try to go do the thing I just did. And I'm like, what? nope, my, I'm, over, I'm over, where Where the heck am I going right now? And it's, so it's like, it, it's going to take some practice to, like, really get that game down. There were a lot of obstacles where, like you were saying, you had those bamboo shoots that you, you saw what you had to get immediately. And yeah. then it was just... You know, the five minute, 10 minute long process of figuring out how to push the buttons and control yourself in such a way to get there. But there were also, what I really appreciated, uh, pickups where you couldn't be meticulous about it. You just kind of had to just shoot and launch off and try to go for it. And I I appreciated that part of it as well. There was enough variation in the obstacles uh, to make it interesting. Nice. Snake Pass. I think Snake Pass is. Keep an eye out for Snake Pass. Yeah. Well, and, like, yeah. and David Weiss. Yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> Everyone that watches Bossman knows about Weiss? David Weiss. Yeah. So, oh. yeah. David Weiss doing the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so GDC was, yeah, it was good. I specifically booked dust for not that much so that we could get around and say and hi to people. It. And thanks it to everybody that important. walked up and said hi. Um, yeah. It's a lot of, it was good. A lot of different people that, that uh, just came around and, you know, and then seeing people that, you know, because we're not in San Francisco, we don't see very often, like, Greg Miller and Victor Lucas and Jason Vandenberg and so. Ian, you were also at GDC. Sure was, man. What did you see? What inspired you? What changed your life? Uh, yeah, some stuff. Oh, I just realized <laughs> I meant to go by the Patreon office, but because it was like around the corner. Oh, sure. I meant to go in and be like, "Hey, thanks." But mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, yeah, I I actually forgot to tell you about this one beforehand. Um, I went to a uh, Salton Sanctuary post mortem. Nice. Oh, wow. That yeah. was actually pretty cool, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just them talking about the process and you know all that stuff. And uh, did the, any? Sorry to interrupt you. Did it any, happens every time I talk. It's okay. <laughs> did anybody beat that? Did you guys beat that? I got I think to the end boss, okay. and I haven't finished. End boss. I think so. And you hung I it think up? it's the end boss. No, I just like you know something came out yeah, yeah, that yeah, I started. Yeah. Life playing. happened. Okay. Yeah, I mean some other game. I remember distinctly some other game happened. Okay. And then I was like, I'll finish this in a minute. But that other game was like Dark Souls Three or Bloodborne or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like, I think it was Dark Souls Three. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, <laughs> that itch has been scratched. What was but, what was um, the the takeaway from the Sultan Sanctuary postmodem? I liked it. Uh, the some of the cool stuff was that like he sketched the whole world map in a notebook and then that basically became the game Whoa. like the, the conception was that mm. it was pretty it was pretty neat um did it did, did it sketches they showed him oh man. it's so cool was it pretty one-to-one from the sketches or yeah, were there were there that, alterations that he said it was like weirdly pretty similar very um, cool and i mean it's just it's just a husband and wife team making this entire game you know just the two of them and uh it was it was interesting because they showed they didn't concept they said they didn't concept art out too much stuff they would do like one drawing and then just start making it you know mm-hmm. uh and then they would just iterate in the in the engine which is x code or x something some old like thing that he was like i'm i'm holding the torch i'm still using it and everyone was like yeah and i was like i don't know what that is it must be some old coding thing but um yeah so there they showed their art styles and like hers were very like they're both still in the same like style of the game but hers were very like you know polished and nice looking 
and then his were just like you know brutal looking like kind of like things but it's funny because then you they sh- you see him in the game and you're like okay yeah i could see how both of those things could become that mm-hmm. those two things um but yeah that was cool it was mostly just talking about like how to how to work as a husband and wife and like how to manage your time and all that kind of stuff and then i uh listened to a rains postmortem or not postmortem oh. really but like it was like a rains about the the phone game rains where you're ruling a, a country um as a king i have not heard of this oh really Mm-mm. It's a pretty good game, actually. Uh, and it's it's like Tinder mechanics, where you, you can swipe right or n- left for yes or no. And uh, so a bunch of advisors come and ask you questions. Tinder mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's gamified. That Tinder's, <laughs> Tinder's a game. It's not a dating app. But uh, the Reigns is like, you know, like your advisor on the war comes and says like, hey, uh, the people to the south are getting pretty weird. Should we like, you know, up our garrison or whatever? And you say yes. And you have four... Uh, kind of parameters to, to keep an eye on. I believe it's religion, uh, like the, the popularity, like the populace's health and all that, um, military might and financial stability. And the interesting thing with the game is you lose immediately and your king dies if any one of those four meters gets to the bottom or to the top. So you can lose from having too much money. Mm. So it's like you were at a party and you choked to death and everyone was so drunk no one noticed until the next morning and stuff like that. But he was talking about like the procedural... Random, randomification or whatever of the way that he told the story and it was really cool how he did it so like instead of a branching path narrative uh certain situations would allow it to pick a card randomly from a certain from a little bag of cards he called it like a bag um so it was like these bunch of cards are possible to be picked here and there are 770 cards total i think um but these ones are weighted more and stuff it was just cool he was talking about that stuff um and then <clears throat> and then i played um, uh, r- real quick, uh-huh. for, for you guys that that saw these sessions at GDC, yeah, just yeah. out of curiosity, did you ever did you ever have that moment where you thought to yourself, maybe I should toy around with game design ideas? Oh, I mean, I, I, mean, I know I know you do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, during those talks, I was like writing down notes for a game. I'm were working. you? Yeah, I nice. was like, I was like, oh yeah, I just got a cool. And it's weird because they were like things that had nothing to do with what was being talked about, but mm-hmm. like. And then I, I, I listened to another, an hour-long group of talks, the five-minute talks called Indie Soapbox, which were oh, yeah. largely phenomenal. Like, most of them were very good talks. And those were about, like, how not to burn out or how to do this and that and, like, or just interesting, funny things. And it, it was really good. But, um, yeah, I was, like, putting down notes all the time. I was like, oh, yeah, I should do this. Like, this would be really cool to have happen. Did you have that inclination, Blood, at all? or? Um, no, I don't, I don't feel like it makes me want to be a game designer or anything necessarily but it's just yeah definitely you know i just find it fascinating like sure seeing seeing the process seeing how all this stuff connects and you know like why people do things that they do and like everything that has to go into making that stuff happen Mm -hmm. yeah i also love the the waves that you see because last year so much of gdc was focused on vr oh yeah few years back it was everything was about mobile and, yeah. and seeing those shifts in technology yeah. yeah, VR is still a very big presence probably even Absolutely. a bigger presence than last year mm-hmm. VR is a bigger presence but it feels more serious now it's not like look at this right. crazy new right. gimmick like, it's just like here's VR it's part of video games we're, we're, we're living in it rather than looking forward right, to it right, yeah. right. And, and it does feel like with the Switch and the weird amount of good games coming out right now it does feel like video games are back kind of <laughs> 
So like GDC was very. And I think about that. <laughs> video games, video games are very. Or GDC was very exciting because I was like, yeah, man, a yeah. lot of this stuff just looks really cool, and I'm really excited about it. And like a lot of really good, great, just, great just stuff anec- just came out. Anecdotally, there was being at GDC with the onset of the Switch. It, hearing people in line talking about it and then oh, yeah. developers talking about yeah. it, that excitement was was very infectious for very sure. Surreal. Um, so I saw a demo of. Let me try to get this right. <sighs> nope, I'm already screwing it up. Heart of Emberstone, the Gallery, Episode Two. Yes, I believe that's right. <laughs> that's is, a mouthful. It is the second part uh, or sequel episode of uh, the Gallery series. The first one I think is called Call of the Star Seed, the gallery episode one, maybe something to that effect. We played it on a stream, and uh, I didn't realize how short the game was. That game's like an hour and a half, two hours. The first one. Okay. Um. So we got through like half of it on the stream. All right. And I intend to finish it. So what? What? It's a VR game. Okay. Mist esque kind of puzzle game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know teleport from place to place uh, in that VR style. Uh, and I, if I'm honest. If I'm honest, like, uh, and an ally, uh, Stephen Blomkamp, uh, is working on it, uh, working on these mm. games. And mm. when we were streaming the first part, um, I was really enjoying it. I was like, man, this game is really cool, but like, I'm okay. I'm like, whatever on VR. I think it's cool, but I don't really want to do it. I don't want to invest in it. I don't want to like spend the time and money to do it. And so like when I was playing the first episode, um, Starseed or whatever, like the first half, cause things start out very normal, very within our realm, you know, of mm-hmm. earthly, you know, things. Uh, and I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is really great. I wish I could just, you know, play it on a computer, normal, like Mist or something, like click around, whatever, not VR. You thought the VR was getting in the way. I thought the VR was getting in the way. Mm-hmm. And um, playing this demo, it was like a four-minute, whatever, demo, one puzzle and then a little cutscene, and then it ended. Um, so I did the puzzle, and the puzzle was cool, and the puzzle involved moving things down this little, like, I don't know, laser kind of tunnel thing, and you had to avoid other things moving to lasers. get past. And not, they're not puzzle. lasers. They're not lasers. Okay. They're like red. It's like a red platform. Okay, that okay. You couldn't touch the little bead <laughs> that you were trying to get. You, you had a key, and you are trying to get it into like the slot. Cool, cool. And uh, there were red kind of discs in the way. I and, think um, that should be uh, a bet consequence for Huber, is we find <laughs> the worst laser, laser puzzles. puzzles in video yeah. games and make him go through. Yeah. Maybe uh, that's to, too hard. He has to design a laser puzzle in real life with actual lasers. Um, but the cool thing about it being in VR for this puzzle was, so it's like kind of a lock-picking mechanic, you know, where you had these things going around and you had to like get around them to get... And so like the first time I did it, I was it's kind of like Operation... Oh, and you're like fun. trying to put it in, and I was like, I wish I had a better angle. And then I was like, Oh right. And then I just <laughs> went like this, and then I was just like, No problem. That's so that cool. was really cool about VR. But the best part of it is at the very end, this like hologram character comes out, and she's like, she like stands on this platform in the middle, and she just goes, Hey buddy, I need a lift. Wake up, you know. And then, and then in real life, the the roof of this room I'm in just kind of opens up like a flower, just comes out. And then, and then this giant thing comes out of the mist and like looks down at me and he's like, Ugh, you know. And then he picks up the room I'm in and starts Whoa. moving me somewhere. And then the demo ended. But I was just like, I was like, okay, all right. I see why they did this in VR and not just on a TV. Because like, if you see that on a TV, you're like, oh, there's a big guy. And then, but on VR, you're like, whoa, I'm tiny. Yeah. This thing is massive. So it was pretty cool. Um, that was fun. So I gotta finish that first one over here on the Vive, I guess. 
Uh, quick VR question for you, just out of curiosity. Mm. Uh, have you played Resident Evil 7 in VR yet? I have not. Okay. I don't love the PSVR. Sure. I think having played the Vive, I'm like, clearly the Vive is like much more solid. Mm. Like, I, I'll get a little woozy on the PSVR, but I, I won't on the Vive. Just knowing how enthusiastic you were about PT, that is something I'd like to try. I would be horrified. It's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm only like partway into re7 but um yeah uh yeah and, and i want to play elite dangerous in vr mm-hmm. speaking of elite dangerous i think that would be really cool um then i played on the floor i played absolver which is yeah. sort of like that soulsy make your own martial art like for honorary kind of thing i only played it for a little bit and then i kind of like ran through the end of the half of the demo because at the demo that they had on the floor um, you know, it's like a tutorial. You're learning all these things, and uh, it's it's early. It seems early. The game was seems it, pretty early. Was it overwhelming? Were there a lot mm. of mechanics? There are a decent number of mechanics. Some of which I just either missed. Sometimes dialogue it just would like skip three things of dialogue because I must have had a button pressed or something. It would just go, and I was like, okay, I don't know what that said. Um, but like, so like way into the demo, I'd been playing it for a while. The guy was like, oh, hit left on the D-pad to heal. And I was like, you can heal? Because <laughs> like, I like died a couple of times. I was like, oh, man, this is you know unforgiving. And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you can heal. And the crystals just like recharge themselves. So like clearly it's part of the game to heal a lot. So that changed things. Um, but the cool thing was that the demo that they had set up, after you get through all the little demo and the tutorial and stuff, you uh, face off 1v1 against another human player. It, like, mm. matches you randomly, I think. In the real world, it would just match you randomly against somebody, and whoever wins three is the winner. Um, but there was this woman playing in the, the unit next to me, and the guy was like, all right, well, here. He was like, you just sit tight, and he was like, just run past these guys and go up to that that glowing thing, and then you'll fight her, you know? I was like, okay. you know. So I, like, skipped the last half of the demo and ran over there, and, uh, you know, she destroyed me. I won, like, one, and she won three, you know. Um, but it was a lot of fun to, like... Uh, they had cool mechanics where you can choose and make your own combos. This seems like a game where you have to get down into it and be like, how does my brain work? What works best for me? So you have four different stances, kind of like Neo or For Honor or whatever, and you can you hit R1, maybe, and the right stick to like put yourself in that stance and then you you can set up in your menus how each of those stance performs so like my triangle button in the right upper right stance i set to be a low kick mm-hmm. which is and out of like a bunch of options which is kind of funny cuz she did that too cuz i saw her doing low kicks on me too mm. and i was like oh, we both picked that that's funny but um it, it's interesting like that so like you really can make your own setup so it's like i want square square triangle to do this thing and then you make that so it seems like it'd take a lot of work to get where you want it to be but it seems pretty cool and i like that though yeah it's Sounds cool like uh wrestling games like some kind of, of the, yeah the old, well, i was thinking your character, of, uh, character and like you can make your own combos it's yeah. like i don't i just want to have like a jab jab hook or something yeah yeah it's like... god hand is very much like that as oh, well yeah, where god. you can make your own sequences and this one is cool because it had um you can get weapons and stuff swords and things like that but if you hit the other person hard enough they'll drop their weapon and mm-hmm. then it's just there so the other person can pick oh, it up nice, yeah so like the time i beat her it was, it was a good fight. We were both in it for, like, a long time. We he- both healed. Like, and you, if you interrupt the heal, you know, it stops it. Yeah. And, like, it was very intense. Um, and then, like, last minute, she dropped her sword. And I, I, like, 
disengaged. I unlocked on her, sprinted around her, grabbed it, and then just heavied her, you know? Nice. Uh, and that was the only time I won, but it was, like, really cool. It's fun. Absolver. I hope it, I hope it, there, there was definitely a little bit of, like, early game jank, mm -hmm. like, yeah. not done yet kind of stuff, but I hope it's, I hope it comes together. But yeah, those are pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I played... Oh, I played Snipper Clips. Snipper Clips. <laughs> Which is out now, and I played it at my house on Omar's borrowed Switch, too. But, like, man, that game is good. It is. Oh, man. And, like, I was saying to Brandon earlier, unlike Overcooked, because Overcooked is so hectic, and there's a timer, so it's easy to get, like, frazzled and be like, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Uh, Snipper Clips is fun, because you, you don't get, like, there's no pressure. Right, and you I, have all the time you want. Yes, there's no timing, and there's no rating system at the end, right. which was kind of nice. Yeah. yeah, you either solved it or you, you stayed there until you solved it. Overcooked <laughs> gets me like extra anxious because of like my restaurant background. So oh I'm yeah, just, like I can't. Yeah, like Overcooked get this is, away. Yeah, like I don't. It's too intense. It's too. Cra it's too crazy for me to enjoy. People like right. tables leaving. Yeah. Like, yo, your tips, yeah. no yeah. tip. Like, with with snipper clips. God. Playing it with a totally different person is a very new experience because how they want it, like it, how people want to solve it yeah. is different person by person. Because, and you saw that during the stream, which was yeah. great because yeah. you had Damiani who's like, nope, we're not cutting. We're, we're just brute forcing every single puzzle. And then you have a Jones who's, who's very good at making like, no, we're going to do a perfect star and put you yeah. over here. And just your, your individual personality comes through. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. It, it was pretty... Yeah, it was pretty funny because, you know, I, I played at the New York event. And so when I saw those first couple of puzzles come up, I was like, oh, yeah, I know how to do this. And then I like, see, it's like, oh, well, they just, they're not going to do that thing. Yeah. <laughs> they solved it anyways, you solved know. Solved it a whole other way. So um, I think that's good that it's like the puzzles aren't so restricted to like, this is the right way. Right, right. I mean, like the one that you and I played together, Omar and I solved it a completely different way. Which one? Um, One of the, like the getting the pencil in there mm. or like, yeah. you know, uh. You have to sharpen a pencil. Like we did it completely differently than than the, we did it. The moments that uh, were really great during Simper Clips as well are when you're trying to figure out a puzzle and then something's happening, like an object falls, and you sort of accidentally catch it, and then you accidentally solve the puzzle. Uh -huh. Like you you start yeah. this chain of momentum, and you're like, oh, I guess I guess we did it, and yeah. that's kind of fun okay, too. Okay, there we yeah. go. Um, and then yesterday, because I was sick. Uh, I spent the first morning working on some stuff and then I was like, oh, I got like three or four things to edit, you know. And then uh, I wound up just laying on the couch watching Omar play Zelda for seven hours. Did you play? I played, yeah. The I Legend of Zelda like two Breath of I think. Okay. Um, so I've, I've watched, I've watched, uh, I watched the very beginning, like for a few hours the other day. And then yesterday we were, we got like, we've got like five regions of the map mm -hmm. towered. Oh, so wow. I think we're a little farther than Jeez, than Blood and yeah, Huber. Um, I do want to counting the counting the, the like plateau tutorial. Before we say yeah. any anything yeah. else, any other words, uh, I want we, this is the part where we're talking about the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. I know for a lot of you, this is a game you care very much about and don't want anything said about it at all. So yeah. this is this is your kind of clearing the area, Clear the area warning. I don't think we're going to be talking about. Super story specific things. I, hope not. No. I don't think we're going to be ruining any puzzles, I hope but we not. are going to be talking about the game in a general sense. I'm going to yeah. try to curtail the conversation to talk about it in general sense, but we are talking about it, so this is your yeah. warning. I mean, I missed. Sorry to cut you off. No, 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 that was important. I missed like good chunks of story. I, I didn't see the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, like Link waking up or whatever. Did not see that. I put it together. I'm like, oh, he doesn't have his memory. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. What I do love is like it's. It feels like. 
distant future to the other games or it's like the other games are like legends within the world of this game yeah yeah so cool um yeah but this game is delightful okay so you don't you're not i wouldn't call you an uber zelda fan i the only zelda i've ever beaten is twilight princess right and so what what makes this game delightful to you what's drawing it to you more than than past zeldas have what i really like is how on you everything is yeah like, I really appreciate the fact that it's like, yeah, here's the story, but, you know, go about it your own way. You can choose which which one mission is going to be highlighted on your map, and we'll give you a location, and that's it. And, like, you can put your other markers on the map wherever you want. Like, you find a fairy fountain or whatever, you put a marker there. Yep. Because, like, I'm going to want to remember that that's over there mm-hmm. and come back to this. Or, like, you see some weird puzzle, and, like, some guy's talking crazy stuff, and you're like... This seems like it's going to be a thing, you know? You put a little weird symbol on the map, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, like, you can set your scanner to do whatever, like, search for whatever, you know? And I, I really like that. And the ways that you solve shrines and other things, is it's very, it feels very much like this is a video game. You know, like, it's... Ugh. There's a weird thing. I had, I had a, like, thinking about Bossman moment the other day when a character said, like... They literally said in a dialogue box, like... Oh, just hit the pause button and then do this. You know, mm-hmm. like the character is saying that. You know. Yeah. And I had a moment where I was like, "Why doesn't that bother Kyle?" Like, because bends context, it to his will. He bends it to his will. But then, like, there are other delightful things in this game where you find the guy that you give the seeds to or whatever, and then he literally says, after doing a hilarious dance, he says "da na na na" in the dialogue. <laughs> See, I haven't even yeah, encountered yeah, that yeah, person. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, I believe I'm you. I'm sorry, I thought you would have seen no, it. No, 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 it's, like no, it's okay. Area. But okay. Uh, that's that's something that is extremely exciting about the game yeah. is I can't... You got used to Zelda. You yeah. knew there would be this this long intro that you'd go through a set number of dungeons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, there's a very brief introduction, and you could go... You have this. You can't go anywhere. That's that's yeah. not true. But you have this huge, massive land that you can explore. And there was this this bacoblin that I kept dying to, and you die really quickly. Oh, I was yeah. getting one shotted by one these shot things. But here, the here's the thing. I, I I gotta stop and say that it's like, so especially open world games have this problem where, like, if if there's the possibility of death, like you get up there, it's like you get killed. It's like okay. Mm-hmm crap where did i last save uh. and then you like have to go around and like repeat all of this stuff you did for like 30 minutes or something zelda is like auto saving like every time i die i'm like oh i'm i'm right back at the beginning of that little camp that encounter mm-hmm. yeah it's like I, I i don't even see it saving i don't notice it this is like boom we got you yeah, yeah and the way that it saves is great too because i don't I don't really feel like you can cheese it because there are times where I would there would be a bunch of enemies and there'd be a valuable item there that I wanted, maybe a weapon, maybe some some arrows, something like that. And I would go and grab them and then I would die. When I reloaded, I didn't have those items again, but I was right there so I could reattempt it. And so I it was that perfect thing of I still have to do this, right. but it's not putting me ten minutes back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. And the gameplay stuff is like, it really leaves you to, it lets you, it trusts you. That's the most important thing a game can do is like, it doesn't hold your hand 
unnecessarily. Right. And there are just secrets everywhere. Yeah. And it's like, hey, if you notice this weird square on the wall, you notice it. If you don't, right. you don't. Like, that's okay. Yeah, well, well and that's the thing that, like, the Koroks are, are great. Because, like... Those are the little guys? Yeah, the little woodsy guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, because the stuff that just, like, it just looks a little tiny bit out of the ordinary. Uh-huh. And you go and you, you, you mess with that. Like, I, I, I won't spoil the whole thing, but I, I noticed, like, there was, like, a chain going into the water. Yeah. And like, what is, what's that all about? And, like, oh, okay, you know? And, and there's just, like, a lot of that stuff. And, you know, for me, I, I, I did this with Witcher 3 as well. But, like, the Great Plateau, I just, like, I, I think I've 100%ed it. Like, I just exhausted everything I wanted to do there before moving on. Mm-hmm. Because I know once I get out in the world, it's like, there's too much. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'll make a wide path. Right. Through the game, but like I don't, I probably don't know how the heck well, I would clear every bit of that game. Why, why I already like it more than so many open world games is because of the freedom and lack of pressure to complete things. Mm. Like even The Witcher, it's like all right, get to a new town, go to that signboard, get your quest. Yeah. All right, here's a bunch of places to right. go. Gotta yeah. go do that, do this, do that, do that. Whereas That's this, such a good point. Whereas this, I'm just wandering around. Yes. Whatever I stumble upon, and I do or not don't do. It's like I'm just going. And even the I things, feel so free in this game. I can smell the grass. Even the things that are like straight up side quests, <laughs> like in the menu it says side quests. Yeah. You've got something from someone talking to you about mm-hmm. that. Sometimes they're like, "All oh, my chickens escaped. You can help me get those." But like sometimes they're just like. Hey, here's a weird riddle I heard, riddle I heard. Mm-hmm. and like, they don't, and then a mission name will come up, and you're like, oh, all right, that's the mission. What yeah. was that? You know, it's still up to you to be mm-hmm. like, I bet that's what he's talking about. Totally. Think about how many RPGs you've played where you mm-hmm. have that journal or that quest log, and there's there's more than twenty things in there, yeah. and each one that gets added makes you want to do everything else a bit less. Yeah. Where. You're, you're completely right. A lot of what I'm doing, I have these big quests. I have a couple of them. I have maybe two or three at a time where it's like, this is the ultimate objective yeah. if you absolutely need guidance. But everything else is, oh, that's a skull in the distance. Yeah. Oh, look, oh what, that's look glowing. Like the, yeah. the visual language that they use to get you excited about things, it is very much a natural curiosity. Mm-hmm. And that's so much more uh, yeah. satisfying. It's, yeah. It's, well, I, I think too, like... You know, because like you said, like the last big open world thing I was playing was Final Fantasy 15. Right. And and there are so many times where like even though I'm doing all these quests, it's like, so basically I get in the car, I walk to this thing, I pick it up, and I get in the car and I give it to you. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was like nothing like inherently fun about that. Whereas, you know, with with Zelda, like there's just you know, it, it's about game mechanics, and so like even though there is a lot of walking in big open spaces. There's a lot for you to do and interact with and, and mess around with within all of that. And then when you you get to the place you're trying to get to, a lot of the times the things that you're you're getting to are, are surprising or interesting or valuable. And and that's where I kind of like had a turnaround with the, one of the things I was worried about was the whole like picking up weapons and durability thing all the time. I was yeah. like, oh man, I'm just gonna be like go through all this stuff and have all this junk, you know, like I've had in a lot of other games. Or like you just pick up loot that you just sell and don't do anything with, but the durability like actually makes that work really well because you have when you get a good weapon, it's not gonna last forever. Right. And so you kind of want to save those weapons, and then like you use the stupid junk weapons for the smaller guys, yeah. 
Um, and and yeah, and so when you, and then anytime you come across something new, like it's like, oh, this is this is cool, or like again, you know, you climb up to a place or you find a little hidden area, and like there is actually something valuable there rather than, oh, this isn't as good as what I have. It's handled so well. And it's a problem that we've talked about on Frame Trap before, and I personally struggle with, where I'll be playing a game and somebody will say, well, why don't you try these other options that you have? And it's like, I, I don't need to. I found something that right, works, that's comfortable, right. that's efficient. And it, it's that, that, that mental struggle of, do I stick with what I know or do I do it for the sake of it? Is the game incentivizing me enough? And in Zelda, Blood, you're 110% right, where you can't... There, the durability and the way items are presented to you naturally create that I'm out of this thing. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I have to do something else if I want this reward. And I think the food is also an excellent example of that. Uh, if I have a lot of food, I'll feel more comfortable and approach a situation in an entirely different way. I might just run in, shoot my arrow a bunch of times, go action star style versus, oh, I have half a heart. There's no mushrooms. There's nothing around me. Do I, do I fight these guys? Do I go and get that treasure chest, or do I back off? And those moments are happening all of the time because of these very well thought out systems. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then one thing I, you know, I think is just awesome too is just it, you know you talked about uh, knocking somebody's weapon out of their hand and, uh -huh. and absolver, right? And like and that, <coughs> like I've had those moments today where it's like. I'm fighting a guy, my weapon breaks, but I happened to knock his weapon out. So I'm gonna grab it. Grab like, that. all right, I've got your thing. You've got nothing. Yeah. It's so fun. There's like a... throwing your weapon at a guy. Oh, yeah. You're like, this is about to break. Ska! <laughs> There's a very special sort of satisfaction when it's night and they go to bed and they put their weapons oh, yeah. by the side of them. You sneak yeah. up, take their weapon, and then, oh. And yeah, like so much creativity. The, what you both were saying about systems, like this game introduces you, you know, you get these abilities. It introduces all these systems. Everything has a system. Mm -hmm. They're all pretty intuitive and they're very well thought out. And they give you this freedom to try things. There right. were like five or six times when, when Omar and I were playing it yesterday. And I was like, I was like, try this. Try this crazy idea that clearly won't work. Yeah. And then it worked like right. four times. And like sometimes that was like, is that a secret? You know? Or like uh, there's a thing that happens. I don't know. I missed when he got it. So I don't know if you guys have it yet. But there's a thing where you're trying to find certain locations for mm -hmm. a reason. And like we were going around and I was like, I was like, look around. Hang on. Hang on. You know, he was like looking through the scope. And I was like, wait, go back. That. That thing. That thing. And he's like, which thing? I'm like, that thing to the left. You know? That's that thing. And he's like, no way, you know? And so then we'd like trek across half the map to like get to this distant thing that we saw. Yep. And then it like was the thing we were looking for. And it's just so rad. It's it's so rad because it, it's it's as though they finally learned constraint. I had a moment yeah. where I had to go to a very cold area to get to a location that I needed to get to. And I, I hadn't encountered cold before. And so I didn't, all of a sudden I started losing hearts. It's like, right. oh, what, what's going on? And I didn't immediately know how to deal with it. I couldn't make better clothing uh, at the time. And so I was trying to light a path forward. And in another Zelda game, there would have been a Navi or a Fee saying, like, blinking, like, oh, why don't you do this? I'm going to make the hint so obvious that I basically solve it for you. Right. And I found a solution where they very cleverly placed 
a certain food nearby yeah. that I, I just was like, oh, okay, I have this food here. And then I cruised it. I was like, oh, that gives me cold resistance. I got to have this eureka moment because you you kind of nudged it forward, but you let me experiment. And you, you made me realize like, oh, I'm going to be rewarded for just trying things mm-hmm. yeah and feel good about I just trying thing, things and i was stuck and then i went to the tower and i was like looking around I was right like, there's gotta be something and then you see like a big like smokestack yeah and i was like smokestack i'm gonna go there and then that led me to like this whole other side quest right. type thing yeah. and that gave me something to just... yeah when you're wearing that does it just solve it for you Yes. Yeah, you have resistance. Okay. You have um, snow resistance. See, I don't even know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, we, we got past that part, and then right. I was like, we're never going to get that thing, because that character's not there anymore. Like, whoa. <laughs> uh, a thing that you complain about a lot mm-hmm. that Breath of the Wild absolutely deserves tremendous credit for, you open that map, there aren't a zillion icons in no. your face. No, they don't. They don't ruin that world by... by for the sake of... 98 collectibles right. littered throughout. Right. And you put them there if you right. want markers. Exactly. Yeah, I and love it. You think about so many open world games, and it's like, okay, I know I know exactly where this ends. Like, once I check all those boxes, that's uh-huh. it. There's not going to be any more. And that, again, that restraint, not doing that, it makes the world feel that much more exciting. Even if... Even if there's less there than, than, than you anticipate, that feeling is more valuable than overwhelming you with, yeah, we've got a lot of content in right, here. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and the map is giant. It is. Like, when you finally look at and see how many other regions you are and you realize the scale, you're like, mm-hmm. whoa. <laughs> okay. There is one thing I want to bring up. I just want to gauge your guys' opinions on. I'm, I'm not necessarily framing this as a criticism because, one, I'm still super early, and, two, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about it yet, so... Yeah, not lobbying a criticism, just trying to figure it out. I'm not... I think the shrines are cool, but every time I finished a shrine, I, I said to myself, I could have maybe been just a little bit more in there. I The There's shrines... Some tutorial ones. I yeah, I've, I've yeah. only done no, the first I mean, four I'm, tutorials. I'm, so I'm beyond that. I've done oh, some okay. beyond that. Like, there were definitely some that were way longer. Okay, like, okay. So maybe that's all yeah. I need to hear. Maybe yeah. I just... It's too early to judge. There were, okay. there were some where, like... You know, it's variations on a theme for like four or five different little setups, mm-hmm. little puzzles, you know, whereas the first bunch were like, here's one puzzle. Oh, you did it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that they definitely vary um, and there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think. Yeah. And one of them, some of them are interesting. I just want to play right now. I know. I, I'm like, <laughs> Switch is a portable. I just want to go play. But like, yeah, I think they're variable. But uh, yeah, again, I've only seen... <laughs> 10 or 15 of them or whatever out of like 100 or whatever there are but like i haven't seen i haven't seen i don't know like i haven't seen a dungeon like a main dungeon right. yet no idea i don't want to talk about this i ha- i have no idea there are some right i don't even know yeah okay i figured there would be <laughs> but there is one funny thing talking about like not holding your hand or whatever but like the <laughs> The, 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 like, mission that pops up after you get out of the tutorial, like, prelude area yeah. uh, is really funny because it basically just says, beat the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. It doesn't literally say that, but, yeah, it's funny. Well, I mean, yeah, they even, uh, when at the session, they said that you can, there's a, there's a rock, like, when you first step outside, you can roll that rock all the way to the end boss. 
really? <laughs> Just like through the whole game? That's possible. Um, <laughs> don't do that. It would take forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know what the, like, the ideal path to the ball. Like, I guess. Yeah. Um, I actually, one of the you other things, um, I won't spoil exactly how they do it, but I really like that they're, how they go about respawning enemies. Have you seen this oh, yet, yeah. Huber? No. Okay. I've seen one of them. It's gnarly. It's really cool because, because at first, like, um, you know, like after you clear out a couple bandit cams, it's like, okay, well, these, these the goblins and stuff, they just don't come back. They're just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at first it was like, oh, that's, you know, that's cool. It like gives me that sense of progression. Um, but then like after all, like, well, like, is this world going to like just end up being like really empty and I won't get to fight anything? Um, but no, there is like, there is a thing like that happens in the world to like respawn everything at the same time. And it's really cool. I've and also I also heard you should cook during that. To cook during that. I didn't try it, but I heard I heard that like crazy. It, no, I've done so many. It does random weird things. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about some stuff they said in the session? I do. Yeah. So I went it, to the Zelda session. It seemed fascinating. Super cool session. Like just as a session itself, like it didn't have to be about Zelda, but like it was just constructed so well to where like I feel like no matter what your background, no matter what your area of expertise or your skill level or whatever, like you could follow like what they did and like take lessons from it and learn from it you know and and so what they did is number one they didn't have miyamoto or onuma there at all they had but they had three during the talk or during the talk working on the game no during the talk okay (laughs) they had the game director they had the technical director and they had the art director all these guys have been working on zelda for a decade plus right but for the most part we don't know their names you know like the art director is like oh he did mario 64 and uh ocarina of time and majora's mask and the gamecube tech demo and twilight princess and wind waker and skyward sword and this wii u demo and like i've never i don't know this guy's name i probably have seen it in a lot of ask or something but like i just i didn't recognize it and mm-hmm. so it's like kind of crazy to like see you know how deep some of these guys go um but uh but yeah so but it was interesting because it's like you see the way that like all of their different departments had to interact and serve the design of the game you know and so the first thing they talked about was the design of the game and getting rid of you know what they considered the barriers is like a predetermined sequence impassable walls and like well just you know find a solution by looking it up on the internet, you know? Right. And so, like, they they want to, you know, create this thing where, like, n- yeah, now the walls become, like, an optional path that you can go up and really, like, making it so that they're, you know, they, they said that, like, there's a lot of, like, for those past Zelda puzzles that are, like, really, like, focused on using your specific item in this specific way. Right. They say they just take a lot of resources and polish to like really make work right, mm-hmm. and so the you know the goal was to make this thing where like there's just all of these things, these elements and things in there that work together so that you can solve puzzles on your own in different ways. You can find your own solutions. You can make up the game that you want to make. You can take freaking magnet and pull something way over across right. the map to where you want it. You know, and and. So what they one of the first things they showed, and this is another thing, is they had these illustrations of things that you would just not see anywhere else. First thing they showed 
is like this 2D like original Zelda and that was the prototype for Breath of the Wild. They took the original Zelda game and they started messing around with all this stuff like chopping down trees and making logs and like shooting a fire uh, arrow through the fire and it lighting up something on the other side. And so like they got like a lot of these concepts down and then okay, now like what kind of technology do we need to make this work? And so the technical director gets in there and he starts talking about like okay, well we need to have a physics engine that's you know gonna do this and like doing a lot of these physics like by hand you know individually it's not like really gonna work so they decided on using Haddock um, and uh, he also talked about how uh, like the goal in a game isn't to make physics realistic it's it's to create liars physics is what he talked about they, they, they said they used the word lie a lot <laughs> um, and because you want you basically just want it to be readable from a game design standpoint yeah, right. to know that like Feel okay if physics. I do this then this is going to react in a predictable fashion right um, and uh, and the uh, and then yeah build trust in the game based on rules is basically like what he said there and so like chopping down a tree and it becoming the log with buoyancy and, and all of those kinds of things and then like he talked about stasis. I don't. I don't know if you're familiar with. St- yeah, you've all. We've all yeah, played yeah, with stasis. Yeah. Stasis makes no sense, mm-hmm. but it does make sense. You know, it's yeah. like physically, like you, yeah. you, you could never do that. Even if you could stop time, it wouldn't work. But it makes sense. Um, you're like, oh, I'm storing the kinetic energy. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, okay. And. Um, <laughs> And then they, they for, showed the first time we chopped down a tree and it made a bridge across a canyon. I yeah. was like, I was like, well, it's like such a dumb thing, but I was like, we just chose to do that and did it and it worked. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, what? Oh, yeah, so good. Um, now the other thing that they basically came up with themselves is what they refer to as the chemistry engine, and so then he went into like how this basically there it's there's two different types of things in the game so there's uh for the chemistry engine what they have are called elements so there's fire water ice electricity wind those kinds of things and then there are materials trees and rocks and um uh metal and all of that and so there's basically through three rules to how the game works like one is elements can change the state of material so if you put a fire up to an apple it will become a cooked apple um, and uh, if you you know you put the fire on the grass, then it's going to burn, and, and 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 if the rain starts coming down, it's going to put out the fire. And then that's the second rule: is that the elements can change the state of each other. The elements interact with each other. And then the third rule is that like materials can't change each other's states. And those okay. are sort of like the basic technical groundworks of how the game is put together. These things that we're describing are very radical for a Zelda game, but uh, other games have have. A lot of other games, especially on PC, have had the, you know, introduce this element, it changes this property right. kind of a thing. But I feel like with the vast majority of those games, the basics don't feel good. It doesn't feel fun to hit something. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it, you, you feel like you're, it's cumbersome to dodge or block or parry. Whereas you have really nice, tight combat in addition to all of this freedom and experimentation. Well, and that's so important. And I think that, yeah, like, it's actually useful. Right. Like there's a lot of games that like you know like you know Far Cry 2 you could set fires and stuff and yeah. and you would have some cases where you might be able to use that to your advantage but I felt like it was more there just for the sake of like hey you can do this. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, in Zelda like I can light a fire in a windy valley 
and that fire will fly right up that valley and burn all the dudes in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a thing where I was like, we can't get to this thing. And I was like, well, can you burn it? And we were like, I don't know. And then we did, and it did. And we were like, oh, my God. And <laughs> that's that's the thing is you're never quite sure how far you can go. Right. And that's such an addicting feeling to chase mm-hmm. after. And I think uh, something that, that is critical to that sensation is the ability to climb on almost everything. Yeah. I love it. Climbing rules. Climbing because there are, there are a lot of not just open world games, but, but any 3D traversal games I play where you are like, okay, I'm going to go this direction. Then it's like, oh, there's a, there's a mountain. I can't get through it. Right. And you've got to turn back around. And it, it turns traversal into a chore. Whereas in Zelda, again, you're kind of that, that carrot on a stick. Can I climb this? What, what are the limits of my stamina? If I upgrade my stamina and then come back later, can I do this? And it just, it makes the world, every part of it, yeah. feel like something you can play with. Well, and the yeah. fact that it takes a long time to climb. Yeah. You know, yeah. It makes you respect yep. the climb. It makes you respect where you are. And then like simply you... going, like you, I had to go up and then I had to go back down with what I had. It's like, all right, I gotta climb down now. Like take my time yeah. with this. But I mean, again, like just it. to seeing like all the different ways that you can make your own path. Because again, there's like a, there's an area in the snow up there where there was a, a river that, that goes down to the waterfall. And it was like, okay, well, I have to go back. I was like, no, I, actually, I don't. I can just freeze parts of the river and just go across. Yeah. Right. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's cool about a lot of that. Um, back to the, the session, um, they talked briefly about uh, adapting it for the Switch. And yeah. they just showed these hilariously brief oh, emails yeah. from Onuma. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, we, yeah, we need to make this uh, Switch, uh, Switch game as well. And then a follow-up email. And it needs to be for launch. Yeah. <laughs> Were those yeah. real or a joke? The, I can't tell. I couldn't tell either. All the, like, map stuff just seems so Wii U. Like, all right, you know, check the little game pad and, like, put a little yeah. pad. Like, you just see it, you know. Yeah. You see the Wii U. can you do it on the screen? Can you touch the screen? I, I haven't played the Wii U. Yeah, I, don't know. I feel like you <laughs> No, on, on this. And there's even... We were the, playing on the Pro Controller. I don't know. Not a spoiler, but it's like, yo, go to, like, this point. And you kind of have to figure out where that point is. I'm mm. wondering if the game pad, you can maybe, like, trace... I mean, you could do that something. on the screen here if you could do it on the gamepad. But 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 anyway, so they, yeah. they said that like it was a lot easier to bring it over than they assumed. They didn't have to do any kind of weird, tricky workarounds. Um, and then like right away, like they were seeing um, like performance that was like equal to or better than their their Wii Wii U builds. Nice. Um, and then um, oughtn't it be? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, it's like you know, you're you're moving down to a new platform, yeah, platform yeah, no yeah, matter yeah, what. Like, true, there's going to be growing pains. Yeah, like how long did it take before people were able to emulate N64 games on a PC? Right. Sp- speaking of performance, I've definitely had very noticeable, yeah, drops. Yeah, but it it's alarming. It's yeah, and it's you know, I'm not I'm not trying to. Hmm. How to frame this? I'm not trying to forgive it or say that it's okay because I do wish it performed better, but it hasn't been so disruptive that it's had a, a great negative effect. Yeah. on Damiani had some thing? really bad right. shots in the review. I haven't seen anything like what Damiani. Yeah, yeah, I haven't either. I haven't seen Around anything on the show yet. But I, fairy fountain I found like it would okay. get framey in there because okay. there are a lot of animals and st- animals seem to do it. Like mm-hmm. if there are a lot of animals and particles and stuff, it's yeah, down. dude. So, so even simple stuff like that. Like once you get used to like all the stuff in the plateau and you come off and you start seeing other animals. And like other enemies, like whoa, you know, it's 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 just weird how like that kind of stuff, new surprises, can have an effect on you. The one um, thing, I, the one thing I am proud of it, uh-huh. I guess, is weird, but like, 
you can like I don't think it shows enemies or animals and stuff from a long distance, but you can zoom in with the scope and look pretty far away and mm -hmm. be like, oh, I can recognize what that is, and I need to go over there. And like that is really important in a game like this. I I feel like we could spend the rest of the podcast. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I do want to. I want to. I do want to get to the art director side of it. Though, like, okay, uh, real quick. Um, so the the art director talked about basically they just started like throwing old Zelda games into like a new lighting engine, mm -hmm. and so they put Skyward Sword in there, and they put Twilight Princess in there, and they were just, like, they were just looking at things, and then they got the Wind Waker, and uh, and they're like, well, Wind Waker looks really good. And then, so that's what led to the HD remake. And then as oh. they were wrapping up Wind Waker HD, they're like, okay, we need, you know, we need to figure out, let's look at some stuff and figure out like what we want to do for Breath of the Wild. And there was like some screenshot they had in the file for Wind Waker HD. It's like, okay, let's go with that. And then as they started working with it and like um, looking at, again, like having to be readability and physics and all this stuff. And they're like, Okay, that's too big of a lie. So, like, we need to make it more, a bit more realistic so that will, you know, people know how to oh, react yeah. and interact with things. Yeah, that cartoon style would fight it, I think. Yeah, but, I mean, it's still, like, they need a style that still works for that because, like, right. they, they talked about, like, you know, when you're hunting, it's like, poof, and now this is right, a couple right, of stakes, right, right, right. Mm -hmm. you know? So, it's, it's an interesting dynamic of, like, having that balance between, okay, you, you need to know that you can interact with this world in certain ways, but at the same time, like we we want it to have a, a certain uh, feeling and, and vibe to it as well. Uh, oh, the the art direction slogan, uh, refreshing and full flavored. <laughs> that was what they they wanted to go for. I feel and, and they put up a big uh, picture of a beer. Yeah. When when they when they <laughs> said that. I, I feel as though Breath of the Wild is one of those games where watching a video out of it or just looking at individual screenshots doesn't do it justice. No, you gotta it is, smell it. Yeah. You gotta smell it. <laughs> it is it smell is much better in motion. Absolutely. <laughs> you smell that food you cook. What's so exciting about Breath of the Wild is on the next frame trap, I feel as though whatever panel is on here, we're gonna have totally different things to yeah. talk about. And like th this is this is a game that has so much to it. And our opinions are going to change and evolve. And I, but just initially, right up front, this this is the Zelda game. I didn't know I wanted, and I'm so glad that they've made. You yeah. know, it's, it's, yeah. it, it 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 reassured me. It, like playing Zelda feels like you're at the hands of of the work of a master. Yep. And like that's what Nintendo used to feel like mm -hmm. for me. Like Mario 64 is a masterful game. Like everything about that game is perfectly the, realized. The last time I felt it was Galaxy 2. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The or, Galaxy games, good example. Yeah. Like 3D World doesn't even have that feeling. But like right. it's, Yo, this it's is been a while. Sure. It's been a while, yeah. you know? Like I'm not trying to rag on Nintendo, but it's been a while since something has felt this master level and I, I think maybe part of that master level that you're talking about is you think about a super mario 64 that was because it wasn't just very 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 well made but no one else was doing that right and i'm not trying to make a one com one to comparison but with breath of the wild it doesn't feel as if nintendo is repeating its same tricks mm -hmm. there's so much newness and i think that greatly contributes to that that feeling and like the weird thing is it feels like it kind of feels, and this kind of is supported by the story in the game itself, but it feels mm -hmm. like this is, oh, this is the real world 
of, of Zelda. Like, this is where we all exist. All those other games are myths and legends, but this is, like, real life, you know? This is for real. Like how Matt Groening said about Futurama and The Simpsons. He goes, Simpsons is pretend Futurama is for real. Hmm. Like, and if you look at the consistency, hmm. especially hmm. of the earlier seasons... Like, that does seem to hold more true because it doesn't break its own rules as often. Mm -hmm. um, this feels like that. It's like, this is the actual reality of this universe. I don't know. Maybe that's weird. Maybe that's just me. But, like, I don't know. I like this game a lot. I like it a lot, too. Like I said, I we, we could spend hours. four hours on Breath of the Wild. And I know more is coming. And uh, just a quick plug. Spoiler filled, if you want more Breath of the Wild stuff, Damiani has been doing some... Really yeah. in-depth discussions about very specific things within the game and Zelda at large. Uh, so check those out as well. But Hubert, you've been playing some exciting things some that I don't I don't want to leave behind. Yeah, I played uh, Gwent. Gwent. Close beta of Gwent. Uh, <laughs> love it. Love the changes they've made since uh, The Witcher 3. Um, playing against a real opponent now for the first time also, because you can never do that in Witcher 3. So playing against a live opponent is so great because it was so easy in The Witcher 3 to just manipulate the system. You know, you would have spy cards and you would just stack the deck. You would just give them spy cards. You get more cards. You always throw the first round and then it ends up like, all right, they have they have one win. You got to get two wins. Yeah. They would, they'd have one win, but like four cards and you would have... 11 cards so it's like all right i win and that's not the case anymore so they've they've really like balanced everything out um do you know when it comes out still no date i think closed beta ends in like four weeks or so mm -hmm. uh and then open beta after that hopefully so uh it just feels really good right now it's a little overwhelming it is having yeah. to learn all the cards and, and and figure out all the synergy and try to like build something competitive that's overwhelming but uh definitely playing so much gwent in the witcher 3 is an advantage like i'm going through the tutorial and i'm like okay i know this let's go let's go let's go like i already feel comfortable mm -hmm. it's just a matter of picking up the little details of like enemies can now like you know decrease other enemies power and there, there's all these yeah. new cards and it feels good. It, feels it does. Really, the, the, really good. And the fact that there's a campaign coming. Yeah. Oh, there's a campaign. Though. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot wait. Crazy the, 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 polish, yeah. the polish is so important <laughs> mm -hmm. because everything that's happening during a match is happening very quickly and looks good and looks mm -hmm. dramatic and makes you feel good for playing those cards. Yeah. Um, but just going through the menus, navigating through your collection, all of that stuff is just yeah. quick and... For a game like this that's so important, there are a lot of collectible, online collectible card games that I've played that the, the mechanics are there. Yeah. Just on paper, they're so interesting and you want to dig in, mm -hmm. but it's just sluggish to move around. Yeah. And, and so far, Gwent does not have that problem. And I really like the good game mechanic. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like, beat someone in a match and it's like, send good game. You can like good game them. Yeah. And that gives them currency oh. if you good game them and then they can do That's it back. That's really cool. So it's just like after every match, there's all these like good gamings going on and it feels so... Well and that's not hostile that's really know? smart because it encourages people to be nice yeah yeah it's like it's like incentivizing good behavior yeah and, and like every match too was a good game like people beat me and i was like oh wow like, good game man right. like yeah. that was good yeah. oh you had a cool deck yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh so I, yeah it feels it feels great i cannot wait for gwent yeah i, I also think gwent is 
the right game at the right time mm-hmm. because it's it's not just a, a modification of Magic the Gathering. Yeah, right. It feels so much different than a lot of other things on the market, and I because yeah. the game mechanics are so different. Right, like the tiers or whatever, and like affecting cards yeah. and stuff. And I, mean, that, I don't remember it totally, but it's it feels like a different game. It whereas does. Hearthstone feels like oh, this is Magic the Gathering. Right, it's sort streamlined. Of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and go, going along those lines, I think that could work against it, but. At a basic level, understanding the the very basic rules of Gwent is not difficult. It's not yeah. that complex, and it's it's all those other additional layers that build on top of it um, yeah. that you can learn over time. Synergy, like it's, it's, yeah, all about synergy. like really corporate synergy. your deck, kind yeah. of like building your deck kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's been a few months since I played the closed beta, but like. I just remember like some of the stuff that you would do with the Skellige deck, and it's like, yeah. okay, this guy's gonna lose points because of that and that, and like, what? Oh, but then if I use this leader, yep. uh, boom, and just like it all makes it work. Yeah. Um, and they yeah, they've like done that. so many things, you know, like the spike cards, mm-hmm. um, and like having the wild hunt in the monster deck, towards like these strategies that you think you know from playing Gwent in the Witcher Three is like, totally. nope, that's not so gonna different. work now. And just like the mad the cow, like. When the cow gets removed, that person gets a, a power level uh, nine chort, and it's like chort. Yeah, chort. It's like a demon. It's kind of like a thing. Yeah. But it's like okay, if the round ends and the cow is still there, the cow goes away, and then the chort will be there for the next round. So it's like, I don't want that to happen because then he'll start the round with a power nine already. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's like I'm going to eliminate the cow now in round one and give him more power now. I'm going to throw this round. Right? Yeah. You know, but I'm going to give him power now. But then you know what I can do? I can res that cow and do get you another yeah. other one on the board. Yeah. And that, yeah. So that's great. That's really, it really, like, the cow is actually like a pretty good mm-hmm. case study in seeing like what the other person's strategy yeah. is because yeah. everyone treats that cow that. differently. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Uh, Michael P. Huber, are you or are you not at this time wearing a Gwent t-shirt? I am wearing a Gwent t-shirt. <laughs> I know. That's I hilarious. I didn't know this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's right here. Feel the power, baby. There it is. Feel that Gwent hype. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. I feel it. Did you, I have to know, uh, when you were picking what shirt you were going to wear today, were you like, I'm going to talk about yeah. Gwent? Yeah, I was like, okay. oh, I'm going to bring up this Gwent. Is, this is calculated. Yeah. It's okay. a themed uh-huh. t-shirt. Sure, yeah. I like, just got a, a beta code like, yeah. d- two days ago. Mm-hmm. So I've only played like six or seven matches. Uh, but I'm just loving it. You know, Hearthstone is uh, pretty stale for me right now. Because uh, I feel like Hearthstone gets locked in mm-hmm. for way too long of a time. Yeah. On, on, on meta lock yeah it's on lockdown it's like okay well this is what hearthstone is going to be for the next yeah. six months meta burn yeah um hopefully gwent doesn't fall into that trap mm-hmm. uh you know i've i've in, in cd project red i trust <laughs> yeah and it's it's kind of frustrating because figuring out that meta and letting things settle it takes such a long time mm-hmm. and uh what initially seems good may not be good in three months and, yeah, and yeah. that sort of yeah. thing. Well, but like like you were saying, like with CD Projekt, sorry, <laughs> with CD Projekt Red, either way, like Witcher Three wasn't like you know it's not I don't love it it's not for me it's not my kind of thing usually but like I respect that game mm-hmm. and that is a very very well made beautiful game and so it's like yeah Gwent's gonna be fine yeah like but CD Projekt Red. Yeah. It's gonna be. Fine. It's cool too using like Skele- the Skellige deck and because they added it in an expansion mm-hmm. and just like the way they added it and like the lore behind it. It's just like oh, 
Well, actually, um, this feels good. Yeah, so they, it, it's weird because in, in Witcher 3, Skellige was an expansion mm-hmm. and it operates entirely different than it does in Gwent itself. Um, and in Gwent, Skellige was there from the beginning and then they added Nilfgaard as an expansion. Oh, wow, well, that is weird. Every yeah. time, I can't hear you say Skellige without thinking of that video. opinion yell where, you, where I was like, yell Skellige. <laughs> so then I played, so uh, what did I play? I played Yakuza 0. We're still talking about heard it. Of, heard of that. We're going to be talking no, no, about no. this. You only had an episode on it. Ben, we're going to be talking about this <laughs> yeah. all of 2017. But um, we're, we're making sure. But the way that you... So you finished the game now. Finished. And what I, finished. What I want to convey, or at least from my perspective, the process that you went through, mm-hmm. we've talked about Yakuza 0 multiple times on this podcast before, and you were on, you've always been on board. Yeah. You've always seen the goodness in the game. Fully caught up. We've talked about a lot of it. Since PS2. Now that you've finished it, I feel like it's it's risen another level for you. Yes, that it's it that it's mm. that's it not only met those I love Yakuza mm-hmm. expectations, it's exceeded them. It did. Talk about that. I think the new console helps because you know when when I got Yakuza One fresh on PS2, it was like whoa, mm-hmm. what is this? This is a new thing. And then you know we got Yakuza Two also on PS2, and it was right. You know, kind of more of the same, just a little more streamlined. Uh, but then three came out on PS3. And the graphical jump, like when Yakuza 3 came out, it looked good. It was oh, a great yeah, looking video. We did so much footage of that from TGS. <laughs> yeah. Just like Rich Brown was just like camped on. Because they were just showing so much mm-hmm. on that screen. Yeah. Was that like, I went? The, the frustrating thing, though, is Maybe by the time them, those games had came out in North America, exactly. we, they, they, you no longer had that wow factor. Yeah. <laughs> it took a while. Yes. But then, uh, you know, four added like multiple playable characters. Yeah. And uh, five kind of did the same. Uh, you know, they all have minor upgrades to everything. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember when I reviewed five, it was like, yo, I've never been so compelled to do the side quest than I have been in Yakuza 5. So that was like, an, you know, a positive of positive growth in the series. Mm-hmm. But it was still kind of more of the same as three and four. I feel like Yakuza 0 is a big leap forward for this franchise with the combat and changing the the styles mid combat uh and just the way side quests are presented mm-hmm. you feel like you want to do them from an emotional connection rather than a completionist yeah uh perspective mm-hmm. you know you you come up on someone and they're getting bullied in a back alley and it's like, yo, side side story opportunity. Like, do you want to engage? And it's like, yeah, I want to like help this person. Yeah. Not, and, not to keep bagging on it, but you know, going back to Final Fantasy 15 and yeah. the way you <laughs> interact with people in those side quests, it was like Noctis never wanted to ever do these things. It's like, <laughs> sure. uh, okay, yeah, okay, we'll go That's find a frog or whatever. Another thing about the side quest in Yakuza 0. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially comparing it to Final Fantasy, the it's it's not you have side quests that you go and find out in the in the map that are just there and are, are clearly marked, but the other mini games and the other store like you naturally find side quests as well, and yeah. and the more heavily you invest in outside activities that aren't necessarily marked side quests from the beginning can lead to pretty awesome yeah. storylines. They all tie bit back yes. nice. on each other. Yeah. yeah, it's just yeah. Everything connects in that game really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only like weird little thing I had it, it was also a po- it was a positive for the game 
Uh, but I kind of think about a head, the way it kind of connects to one. And, and I thought, I thought for Yakuza 0, they were just, they were like, yo, screw it. We're going to tell our own story. Bottom line. We're going to tell a story, the best possible story we can tell right now and not worry about what's to come. Yeah, that's a good. That's a vibe I kind of got, Ben. I, I, I feel like it. It connects extremely well with the rest of the series. For me personally, it kind of felt. Ah, it kind of felt like, yo, let's all right, let's tie it in here, like you know, let's tie it in at the end here. I, in 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 what way? I, I don't. I, it's too hard to like. I, I think I get where you're coming from. Where have you been it as well? Yeah, I reviewed it. The the oh, yeah. the the Majima in Zero is very different than the Majima yeah. that we've seen in later games. And you're right. There, I think there are characters that you're like, oh, when I see them in later games, I didn't necessarily get this sense from them. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I was okay with it is because they weren't fully explored. And yeah. so here, exactly. they're taking that opportunity okay to, it, yeah. to really flesh them out totally. and make them more meaningful. Which made this game by itself the best possible game it could be. Sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. So, yeah. yeah but... Yeah. I don't want to. Sorry, I'm not trying to dismiss that. Feeling. No, no, no. I, 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 you said the point perfectly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. All right. I just didn't know if you still felt weird about. No, it. no. I just I felt like, like you were saying, because of the way you see them in the future games. You know, this being a prequel and all, it's always kind of hard to right. to balance that. It's like, well, yeah. you went through all these games and like you didn't really get that sense. Well, it's like, how so. do you iterate and put new tech and new mechanics mm-hmm. into it? game that takes place before all the other games yeah. that didn't have that stuff yeah it's always a fine line yeah. which but but we're getting kiwami which apparently promised to tie in zero even more to it so i think going from yakuza zero to ps2 yakuza one would be extremely jarring and weird mm-hmm. but i think zero into kiwami will kind of ease that transition a little better there's one other thing i want to comment on the story and i, I i'm curious if you agree mm-hmm. i've always been in this into the stories of the yakuza games and i yeah. think they've been better told over time mm-hmm. and you can attribute that to, to localization and a bunch of other things but with yakuza zero it felt at its best because there are moments that got to me in previous yakuza games but there was always sometimes this this video game cheese or this mm-hmm. melodrama that was clinging to it just a little bit that that softened the blow yeah and by the time i got to the end of yakuza zero there were scenes that were just emotional because of how well they were presented, yeah. the subtlety present. Like it, it seemed like it reached oh, this chills. next level yeah. that it, it hadn't quite been able to get to yeah. uh, in previous games. Is that? Do you think that's fair? Hundred percent. Okay. A, like the best story by far, the most emotional, uh, and you really. F- feel like you went on a journey. You know, by the time the later chapters are rolling around, you know. The lead characters seem tired. Yeah. You feel it. It's like, God, you guys have been through so much. And there are things that aren't totally resolved, and they just, they have to kind of accept it and move on yeah. in, in a hmm. pretty impressive way. Oh, it's great. Kiwami's coming? Six. So excited. Six. Six, Six is the Six. most hyped because it's like PS4 only, mm-hmm. whereas Kiwami and Zero were PS3 and PS4. So six, I think, is going to be another big leap. But you've got another game that yeah, I'm, that I'm also... I'm, I'm thrilled yeah, that I'm, I'm excited. so excited about it. I'm eating my humble pie right now. I'm, I am too. I'm, <laughs> Biggest I'm eating, humble... Yep. Cook it up. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yep. I passed this game off 
for over a year. Me too. I dismissed it mm-hmm. because the way the industry was going with open world checklists and and just open world games in general, I had had my fill. You know, Witcher Three to me was like pff, raise the bar. You know, it's gonna take it's gonna be a couple years before we're gonna reach like Witcher Three level or surpass it. Um, and Horizon Zero Dawn is just proving me wrong at every turn. I'm blown away by it. I think the biggest surprise is how great the combat is. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is the driving force. Um, it just feels so good and, and, and engaging. You have to be alert on every fight. You have to prepare for every fight. Mm-hmm. Stealth mm-hmm. feels so good. Stealth yep. kills. I, w- I just want to run around sneaking up on dinos and yep. stabbing them in the back. It, yeah. It, yeah. Oh, Huber, Stealth you're speaking kills. my language. Okay. feels so good. Um, and... What I like about it is if you, if you're very good at the stealth, mm-hmm. you will be able to clear an entire outpost no yeah. problem. And yeah. I don't feel like they have, so far anyway, uh, or, or I haven't encountered anything. And I'm like, ah, it's, you can just do it. But when you mess up, you're extremely vulnerable. Very. You you're limiting the tools that you have, and enemies hit you hard. Yeah. And there's that there's that franticness when yeah. things go bad. Yes. Uh, that. That, that that punishment where it's not it's not trying to force you into those situations, yep. but when they happen, yeah. it's exciting. Yep. And it's tense. There were a couple of problems with like the stealth attack. It'll be like R1 to stealth attack. Yeah. And I'll push it and it'll just do like a hit. Right. I've had that happen a couple of times. I've had that happen a couple of times. But now I've learned to be like extra patient and it's like give it maybe an extra step before I hit it. Uh and just and just having to use all of the tools in your arsenal, I respect. Yep. More than anything. I well, because, I you know, like Assassin's Creed or something, you'll get your uh, hidden blades and you'll get your one powerful sword and, and mm-hmm. you'll mash it out. And this, you really have to use every single tool. You, you want to tripwire, you know, bigger guys or set those down to trip people up. You want to use your ice bombs to, like, make them more vulnerable. There's so many tools that are always being used. It's see, I I don't even feel like you have to use everything, but everything it has helps. a use. Yeah. Mm. Um. And what I like is how they present those weapons because they're not just shoving them in your face. It's not. It's a lot of them. You just you have to go out of your way. Like, oh, I want this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to include it. And because there was only four spots, I never felt like I could do everything I wanted all the time. Yeah. Like whatever my loadout was, that very much dictated how I approach situations, mm-hmm. and that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and those beasts. They're intense. They're so intense. <laughs> and there's like the op like uh there's a lot of side quests and it's some of them, you know, it's kind of fillery where it's like, yo, go like find my missing medallion or something and you kind of go and it's like whatever but there's also really good ones like the cauldrons where you go in this cave and it's like a mini Mm -hmm. mini puzzle dungeon Mm -hmm. where you have to get through it and there's a kind of a boss at the end Mm -hmm. uh those are really fun and the the hunter challenges yep i always like challenges in games but the way the world is presented and with the character alloy being an outcast yep and like kind of being shunned uh, there's this sense of pride you get when sure. you beat these challenges and you get like the full marks, you know, pride for her. And it's like, yo, like I'm better than you. I told you, like, you know, take me seriously. <laughs> uh, as much as I'm loving the game and I really am, I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. 
the story by and large hasn't grabbed me. I think Aloy is a really good character. Yeah. I think she's voiced she's really badass. well. But there's something about the way the dialogue is presented where mm. there are a lot of conversations I'm having and it's like this I get that they're in this strange situation where it's mm-hmm. sort of this fusion of primal and future tech. I get that they're going to talk different and have, you know, a slightly different language, but I think even in spite of that, there's still this unnaturalness present where it's like, no. ah, this isn't this isn't quite feeling yeah. real. There's a stiltedness to these conversations. I think the main quests are are far superior in quality uh-huh. to a lot of the side stuff. You know, that that's why Witcher 3 is so insane because those side quest conversations are just as good and sometimes even better than uh, some of the main quests. Right. Uh, yeah, I feel like the main the main stuff has better quality. But. I, I agree that it has better quality, but it's, it's the world that's keeping me so engaged and moving me forward yeah. rather than the story. And I, I love the premise yeah. and the, the sort of intrigue that they're building up, but they're... There hasn't, there, there isn't a scene that I can think of where it's like, oh, wow, that really yeah. hit me. Yeah. So Maybe far. it'll get there. I'm like on my way to Meridian, which they've hyped up as like mm-hmm. the big trade center of, you know, of the world. Uh, and I love that part of it. It's like, yo, you're, you got a journey to Meridian to find a guy, right? Meridian's far away. This place is far. So it's like, all right, here's your quest. You got to go there. But it's like, wow, I've got to go on this journey, travel through the wilderness and get supplies as I go and, and kind of fend for myself and, and get to that place, uh, which I really like. So, yeah, a lot of similarities with uh, with Zelda, but definitely more linear, more like grabbing you by the hand and, and taking you along. But I have no problem with it. It just needs to be said. It is what it is. The most beautiful game. Visually. And, um, visually. Gorgeous. Yeah, I yeah. weep because I don't have a 4K TV for I, this one. Mm. Yeah, I bet it's it, insane. It's <laughs> yeah, it's mind blowing. Even on even on 1080p, it's crazy. Just being out there, the way the sun hits the grass and mm-hmm. it's moving in the wind, it yeah, unreal. Yeah, I saw Ben playing it on our disgusting haunted hotel TV, <laughs> and I was like, wow, this game is gorgeous. And he's like. Wait till you see it in an HD, yeah. not CRT from 1975. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. They're an HD TV. Yeah, <laughs> really. The loving the combat, I think that's uh, really the big sell for me. Because even like Shadow of Mordor, you know, it's like all right, square. square. Shadow of Mordor. Shadow of Mordor, square, square, square. Like 900 hit combo. Every orc is dead, which is fine. You know, Jones loves that. Like that sense of being super powerful in a video game. He right. Always, he always talks about that. Like he. Jones wants to be OP and just wreck through everyone, but I love in Horizon that it's like, yo, I'm I'm extremely vulnerable at all times. Um, was, yeah, the biggest surprise for me about it. Yeah, it's great. I feel guilty for doubting it. I know. Now that now that I've played the the finished thing, I still yeah. don't like the the collection loot menu though. Don't like it. The uh, crafting the pouches gets me. It freaks me out. It, I thought it could be a lot more clean. It freaks me out. I don't know why my OCD. It's just like, I don't like this. It's like menu and a menu and a menu. Here's what you need. You finished crafting it, but it like doesn't really give me the feedback. It like says it's done, but I'm still doubting it. I'm like, is it? Will I be able to get another? It's just you like that weirdly. Noise? Yeah, or something. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. But like the, the, I'm finding that's one thing that I like more in Horizon than Zelda is the weapon wheel and the crafting wheel. Mm. Being able to queue up my arrow, my bow 
on a on a quick radial menu in real time and then having all three of the arrow types easily ready it's like all right here's the bow which one do i want to pick sure. and then being able to craft yeah. those on the fly yeah super clean and simple and amazing whereas zelda i'm kind of fumbling like yeah. switching my bow in zelda is like weirdly yeah. hard the controls in oh, Zelda sometimes like yeah. so switching we, switching between yeah, weapons yeah. and then the different types of arrows and all of that stuff. It is it is a little bit more. Well, and cumbersome. also like the thing that kept trip it really tripped up Omar, but it was like even I did it sometimes where it's like A is yes and B is no. Like mm-hmm. I'm used to playing yeah. like PS4 where the bottom one is yes. You know, I think it's uh, an American versus it's Japanese. It's still A thing. and B, but yeah. Yeah, but like no, I know, but the one on the right is yes instead exactly, of the one yeah, on the yeah. bottom, where it's like. Yeah, that that gets weird sometimes too. But anyway, can you eat in Zelda on the fly, or do you have to go in the menu and eat? I think you have to go in the menu. I mean, I've just gone into the menu. Yeah, you okay. just do it in the menu. Oh, and changing arrows, menu. you have to go in the menu as well. No, there's you a can, quick menu. So when you, when you pull out your on. when you pull out your bow, okay. uh, instead of having your sword and shield, it'll be bow and then arrows, and then you hit like you do with this, your sword or your shield, and you yeah, hit on the, D-pad, on the D pad, and then you can select. So oh. you don't you don't have to go into the menu oh, to do for that. The arrows, okay, yeah, see that. What about you, Ben? Uh, I've I've only got one thing to talk about. I I do actually have a lot to say about Nier, but I'm I'm not quite finished with it, and I I kind of I'm curious if what I have to say will change by the time I've finished it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wait probably one more frame trap to really dig into to Nier. But I do have to say, I, with so much out with with Horizon with Zelda, I I think Nier's gonna get slept on it and it shouldn't because Near automata yeah Kidney? automata it's not gonna be one of the ones he slept on automata i feel like every single automata. game in this first three months is old news like as soon as another one comes out it's right insane. It's, it is strange one after another it's like they're, they're not even after another they're like at the same time yeah. well yeah. and with as big as these games are i i still i think in its own weird way, Nier is is just as good. It's very different. It's it's filling a different void. But I, I don't know. I I'm excited to publish my full thoughts in the review, and mm-hmm. I, it's it's really something special. And I think it it might be. We'll see when I see all of the endings, and I'm completely done. Uh, it might be Yokotaro's best work, and I love when it. When does that game come out? Tuesday, uh, March, 7th. March. Oh. Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> Whoa. What Tuesday? Um, <laughs> so this is what? something else that that snuck up on me <laughs> that I want to talk about. Uh, that I I'm so passionate about in a way that I wasn't expecting, and that is Shovel Knight: Specter of Torment. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. I was excited about this because I love Shovel Knight, but my my mental state was, oh, more Shovel Knight, great! I'll play that when I have time. It move aside. It is. It is my favorite way to play Shovel Knight. And it it surprised me in ways that I wasn't expecting. It wasn't just more Shovel Knight. It like Plague Knight, it completely you completely rethink how you approach the game, but I think it feels much better than Plague Knight did. So you're playing a Spectre Knight, and what you can do is you can run up walls, you can uh, jump and you can dash through almost everything and it it chains together so well and you're flying through these levels and as you get better, it just there's a fluidity to it that, that Shovel Knight didn't have, that Plague Knight didn't have, and so it despite kind of going through similar level that similar levels that have some changes to them, it feels completely new because of how good the movement is. Mm. And 
if you haven't played Specter Knight, don't write this off. If you like Shovel Knight, you don't miss this. Yeah. And it's not just the base movement that feels so good. The sort of sub weapons that you get, the curios, are all amazing Curio. as well. Uh, you go and you collect these red skulls to get them, and you buy them. And they're extremely useful, but I never felt like I needed them. It was like, oh, this is just making this easier rather than, oh, this is a really frustrating part, and if I had this mm -hmm. curio, I could get through it. Um, you can you can throw a skull that reflects off walls, and you can do crazy things with that. Yeah. Um, you can create a copy of yourself that phases through surfaces, and like, let's say there's a guy that you don't want to fight, but you don't want to like get into his little nook to fight him because you'll take damage you can create a copy of yourself have that face through a surface kill him and then go up and cool, progress cool, through cool. there and it's just a blast yeah. but this is the most impressive thing to me about specter knight that i was not expecting and that's the story so you have wow. this boss of shovel knight grim reaper style you fight him you go through a spooky stage it's cool the way that they flesh him out and how they make him... He's my favorite character in all of Shovel Knight now. And he had... Wait, from Shovel Knight proper? Yeah. So encompassing all of Shovel Knight, now yeah. that I have this backstory for him, yeah. he is my favorite character because of how they, they flesh him out and how you experience his tragic backstory. So when you defeat a few levels, uh, you'll do this sort of kind of gray, almost reminiscent of like a Game Boy color scheme, and you'll do a flashback of him. And you'll be playing along with this this friend that you have. And this I don't want to spoil anything, but this relationship that you have with this friend is very, very important. And at first, you're not really sure exactly what's going on, but you learn bit by bit mm -hmm. why they're together, what history they have, why they mean so much together, and how Specter Knight came to be. And it's done incredibly well. And as you're going through these flashback scenes, he'll... Um, like flip up to a surface and you use him to get across. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're kind of, they're using the mechanics to uh, show off this relationship in a really cool way. And by the end, I was like, Oh, this kind of like with shovel Knight, but in, to an even deeper degree, this retro style game moved me a little bit. Yeah. This, this platformer. Um, and that was cool. To say. Not, so, I'm not long, saying that they can't do that. But, is it as long as regular shovel Knight? Um, I finished it in about, Four hours, four and a half hours. So like pretty much. Yeah, it's it's comparable. Is there only music? Um, or any new music? Yeah, I think that so the, your your hub is different. Mm -hmm. There's new music there, but when you're going through the stages, I think that's the same music. Mm -hmm. Not 100 sure on that. Cool. Um, you're not collecting tracks like you did in mm -hmm. Plague of Shadows and Shovel Knight proper. So that is that is a difference. Cool. Yeah, Shovel I. Knight? You have to play it, guys. I will. It's I so love good. Shovel Knight, dude. Sounds good. God, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Um, sure. That was kind of the the one big thing that I wanted to talk about. One other little sneaky guy that I want to get in there is uh, Steam World Dig Two. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I don't have much to say because it was only a ten minute demo on the Switch, but I do. That what, GDC to be clear. It was yeah. a GDC yeah. to be clear. What I what I do have to say, I think, is very important. This game, so far, seems excellent. And the the big point that I want to try home drive home is when they were making SteamWorld Dig, they they were more constrained. And when they finished it, they were like, ah, that wasn't exactly how we wanted to do it. And they had to rely a lot on procedural generation to create mm. these levels. Mm. Everything 
in SteamWorld Dig 2 is crafted by hand, and you can feel it. Nice. It's, in this little 10-minute demo that I had, it was, I just immediately thought of, like, the quality of Super Metroid. It wasn't like, you have a Super Metroid-style game in these procedural-generated world. You have these these levels that you have to think about and use all of the mechanics to get through, and every room is a very satisfying challenge, rather than just the same thing kind of shifted a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that made a huge difference. Also, it's just gorgeous. Like, you look at those backgrounds and how much is going on and how much detail is in every surface. Mm. Oh, yeah. Seriously, oh, public yeah. service announcement. Play SteamWorld Dig 1. Yeah. Steam and SteamWorld yeah. Heist. They are yeah. both the SteamWorld available. series is incredible. Brandon's uh, streaming the first one this week. It's, oh, yeah. it's tough because with such a short demo... I, I want to say more, but at the same time, I also feel like I said it. I saw enough where it's like, yeah. okay, there's plenty of reason to feel super confident about this. With all these huge games out right now, like mm-hmm. great little side games, SteamWorld Dig yeah. 1 yeah. or SteamWorld Highest, they're really short, easy to get to, good like breaks in them. It's like, all right, take a little break now. Do we know when 2 comes out? Uh, sp- spring? Spring or summer? I'm not sure on that. I'll have to double check. So God, I love those games so much, man. There hasn't Same been a specific date. Though. Can't, like I saw you guys posted in Slack. I think Blood Earth was like, "Hey, Steam World League 2. I <laughs> dropped my phone. Yep. I was like, "What? <laughs> I wasn't expecting I it." Yeah, I didn't know they came were doing out of nowhere. It. Yeah, and. I, I love Steam World Dig One as well. Mm-hmm. We all loved it. It's all something that uh, that a lot of the allies have bonded over. This is such a huge leap. Yeah, I bet. This is such a huge leap. I really believe in it. Um, it is that time of the show Nishki. for the one, the only Hotake! <laughs> little ninja chop there. Oh my god. You like legit scare me a little bit. I'm, yeah. I'm not kidding. Good. I maybe oversold it, but you still startled me. <laughs> you decided to be a part of that world. Um, and so, every time we do a frame trap, I have anywhere from two to five hotakes that I come up with. And I, I had a pretty big list here. I think I had five hotakes. But the one that I landed on uh, is about Microsoft. Mm. And I feel like mm. with the Switch coming out, Nintendo is very much in the spotlight right now because of that. Um, whether you like it or don't like it, it's, you know, it's, it's part of the conversation. Uh, you've got... Big PS4 exclusive games like Neo, Horizon, Zero Dawn, uh, Near, Yakuza, Gravity Rush. So, so I, I feel like PlayStation is very much in the conversation, and Microsoft is doing a lot too. They've got uh, the 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 sort of Netflix like game thing that you can subscribe to. Halo Wars Two just came out recently. I'm not trying to say that, that there's nothing going on, but the point of this Hotake is it feels like Microsoft is poised to strike very soon with the Scorpio. This is something that they're going to unveil, and it's going to be this this resurgence of Microsoft. And with everything that's going on with Sony and Nintendo, the question for this is Hotake is, what does Microsoft need to do to come out with a bang and really blow people away and grab hold of that conversation? Uh, you, we were having this conversation, uh, um, I forget where, maybe it was on Frame Trap or a stream, uh, we were talking about Scorpio, and Brad and I were saying, yeah, we don't really need it because we have PCs, mm-hmm. um, but 
I think if Scorpio comes out and uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 was brought up because it's not announced for PC. So if, you know, Scorpio is the best place to play right. something like Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, those types of things sell units, build uh, public interest, build, you know, good vibes all around for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's huge is coming out and saying, yo, Scor- like Scorpio runs better than PS4 Pro, mm-hmm. than Switch, than you know, games that are not on PC. So I want to talk about this, uh, you know, sort of first-party games coming out on PC as well as the Xbox One. I, to, to some people, they view it as a negative, and I'm, I'm not one of those people. I view it as a, as a very positive thing because I think for a lot of people, you don't have the privilege of playing it on PC and Xbox, like you, you can't just get you. You're forced into one situation, mm-hmm. and so making it available, making it open, I think, just kind of yeah, it's a very presumptuous thing to assume people have some ultra powerful PC, right? You know, very. or or have every console or anything <laughs> yeah, like that. That, yeah. that that is a, a rare case, yes. and yes. I think sometimes in the the hyper enthusiast crowd, that's easy to forget that that super common perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, in general, I think the openness raises people's like perception of the xbox brand in a good way and i think there's value there mm-hmm. when somebody says oh i didn't care about xbox but now it seems like they're catering to me and i'm only on mm-hmm. pc i i do think that has a lot of worth do you mm-hmm. agree absolutely okay what do you want what would make ian hink buy a scorpio almost nothing because I mean, almost I, nothing i mean i have a, i have a pc and mm-hmm. like to me like I mean, maybe I'm just reading it wrong, but to me, the the every game is on every first party game is on Xbox and PC. Mm-hmm. I was a little confused when they announced the Scorpio because, to me, that was them end of life in consoles. I was like, all games are on both because we're phasing consoles out and eventually we're just going to be PC. Like that that was but, one well, possibility. I think, yeah, I think what it is though is it's it's this idea that you buy the game once. And then you just right. have the game, yeah. no matter like how many generations we go through. Like you don't have to buy the game again because you yeah. have the game. The cross-platform thing is very cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just like I haven't bought a PS4 Pro either. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I I I don't feel it necessary right now. Like I play most of my games on a projector that, you know, is HD, but it's mm-hmm. not 4K. So it's like I'm not gonna, you know, benefit really. Like a better frame rate would be cool, but like whatever. You know, so shifting the conversation a little bit, uh, because I, I, this isn't just about the Scorpio. It's just Microsoft in general. And so let's say you decide to yourself based on the information we have right now, I don't need a Scorpio. What would, what would really capture your attention from Microsoft in terms of, of game announcements or services that they announced in a, in a broader sense, do you think there's stuff that they could do to really get a hold of you? I mean, I think it's, it's for me, it's always been just the titles, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. the, one of the, one of the games I'm most looking forward to is sea of thieves. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's Microsoft like PC, Xbox only. Right. Yeah. So like, I'm hoping I can play it on my PC mm-hmm with you guys on your Xboxes if you get it like that like I hope I can cross play mm-hmm. there cuz otherwise whichever you get it on I'll get that okay right. 100% <laughs> but like I want to play Sea of Thieves with my friends yeah. and I'd be bummed if I couldn't play it on yeah. Xbox or like if I couldn't play it you know but I, I don't know that that would make me buy an Xbox me personally but yeah that's that's what I really want to drive home here in this conversation Ben is you know we 
play games for a living it is our job we own and have access to everything so i feel like for our type of gamer it is a very hard sell yeah uh you know already owning a ps pro and a pc and an xbox one right uh for us to kind of like dive back in and and double down on a on a scorpio is a really hard sell uh but for people that maybe don't have an Xbox yet or, or mm-hmm. you know, don't have a pro or, or don't have a PC, I think it's a great thing. I think that and, is who they're coming after most. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a good way. It's a good way to breathe second life into the totally. Xbox. Totally. And, like, I need a PC for work. Like, I need a good machine. Right. You know, but, like, that's $1,200, $1,300, whatever. Like, you know, a Scorpio is half that. Like, yep. less than half that. So, it's like... If you can get in on these games you want to play and you don't already have an Xbox One, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. And just speaking from my own experience, I have uh, friends that, that aren't as into video games, but they still play them regularly, and they, they, they only play on console. And I think there are a lot of people like that. And so yeah. when you, if you come out with something and say, this is the most powerful console out right now, that has value to it. That's a very yeah. easy thing to wrap your head around, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I uh, the best thing. Talking about games, though, and I... Do you kind of want to circle back to this? I think something that would really impress me is we've sort of had these big announcements from Microsoft. Here's Crackdown 3, and then it kind of fades away. Here's Scalebound, and then it gets canceled. Here's Phantom Dust, and then it kind of fades away. And so what I would really like to see from them, especially at E3, is kind of reorganizing the, the exciting stuff that they've got under their belt and be like, all right, here it is. It looks amazing. This right. is when you're gonna get it. Shadow drop. I think. I think. Well, not maybe, but just just kind well, of yeah. having like a <laughs> something to cling onto, a date, um, making it feel like it's soon, like increasing that excitement. The uh, biggest sell be for me valuable. again would be, uh, you know, if it plays much better on the Scorpio than a PS Pro. These, mm-hmm. uh, you know, console exclusive games like Destiny Two is a huge one. Yeah. What if Destiny Two comes out? Not on PC, and you know they do some backdoor shady deals with Microsoft, and it's like, yo, you get you know this exclusive stuff for a year. Eh. This game, it's gonna run better on this. There's extra stuff, like. But like, they're you all, know, they it's have only to be on the PS4 Pro and the Scorpio. Yeah. Like, how much better are exactly. we thinking shit's gonna run on this yeah. thing? Like, yeah. I don't see. I see it being negligible. Well, the thing, well, the thing with Destiny on PS4 versus Xbox One is because they had like extra strikes and stuff that were only on PS4. So they're like withholding stuff. Like if yeah, Microsoft I mean, does like, some of those shady practices and is like, "Yo, we're somehow like getting some exclusive horse races in Red Dead." But it's the, like, how the am thing I is, is those, the, the, the <laughs> thing is, is like the Destiny, Call of Duty things. They're they're happening not just because Sony's storing money, and they're they're also because Sony is a leader in the market right now. Right. Like it's a combination of those factors. Totally. So Microsoft is going to have a hard time because they've got to sell people on the Xbox brand to catch up and of course like one of the ways it's like yeah this thing does need to look significantly more powerful than the pro mm-hmm. like that's the number one thing uh but then when we're talking about like game lineup i just i feel like i don't know what exactly it is but somehow like microsoft in their internal studios like they f- they just don't have quite the same level of variety like mm-hmm. i f- i feel like so many of their big games kind of go after the same group of people mm-hmm. and yeah. so you you don't get you know some of these things that are maybe a little bit more niche but like a gravity rush 2 
what, what is the equivalent to that right. on, on the Xbox? I, you know, it, it's like you, you've got some some great shooters, great racing game, and then kind of what? Well, and it's it's odd to me because when the Xbox was Xbox One was building up again, you, you had things like Below that. Have just kind of vanished, yeah. Um, you know, and something, something like a like a Crackdown three. I think there's a lot of room to to surprise you, uh, and uh, so you below you Cuphead, right? Like that was something we saw. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this is this is really blowing us away. And it's just, I feel like Microsoft a lot of times is just losing its own momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. which, but uh, they're doing so much. So that's, that's the weird thing is they're doing so much on this service side, right? And then, that is like this this weird yes. double edged sword that is like this is good for this is good for me as a consumer in some ways, but in other ways it's not so good for me. But it's good for you, you know, because like Xbox Play Anywhere, it's like. That's great because, like, I buy the game once, I can play it on whichever console I get, whichever PC I have, but then I'm stuck with, like, digital on the Windows Store. It's the only mm-hmm. way that works, right. you know? And so, and then the, kind of the same thing with, the, you know, the, the game library thing. is like, okay, this is, like, great. I, I have access to all of these games and, and such, but you're doing the Netflix thing where you, like, rotate them out after a bit. So, like, I have to take advantage of them while they're there. I, I do think... From a service perspective, as you said, Microsoft's been doing a lot of good things. And thinking back to the previous generation, I, I think that's how uh, Sony kind of built themselves back up. Is PlayStation Plus is like the, a lot of the talk was, "Wow, I can't believe I'm getting these things for free." I leaning even heavier on that, and maybe giving you something just absolutely ridiculous with games of gold. Kind of, kind of taking the perspective of we're giving you a better value than the other guys mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think is is maybe a seemingly small but a, a huge thing in like the, the, the sort of public consciousness yeah. how but, important do you think this year's e3 is for Microsoft oh it's huge because they, they have to get because here's the thing like I think really to get people in the mindset to buy a Scorpio you have to Get them to believe that this is a new generation. Like, we're here in the new generation and Sony is not here. Like, that's, that's what you've got to do. Yeah, like, because yeah. right now, like, this generation, I have a PS4. I don't want to get another thing because I've got the best thing for this generation. So then right. that's, but then you're like, well, your games can only be on Scorpio and not Xbox One because Xbox One is in the PlayStation 4 generation. So it's like, yo, yeah, that's where gonna, it gets weird because yeah, they don't want to. Be... They want it to work all the way <laughs> yeah. up the line. So it's like, are we gonna have Scorpio only games? Like, yo, you guys are too outdated. You can't even play with us, Scorpio right. only. <laughs> That'd be I crazy. Feel like they couldn't do that. It, it, yeah, it is. It's such a tricky mm-hmm. balancing act where you need to say we're not abandoning all the people that have heavily invested in us, mm-hmm. but also this new expensive thing has a lot of worth. Like, doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's why it was like, Sony, like, they were just so subtle. It's just, here it is. You mm-hmm. want it? Yeah. I just can't think of any existing franchises on Microsoft at this exact moment, 6.15 p.m. on Sunday night, that get me excited. Because we just had a Gears that was okay. We had Halo. Mm, I really liked Gears. I, I know a different different strokes. Yeah, uh, I don't like it as much as like one, two, or three. But that's a whole that's a no, side I, conversation. I, I, no, I think that's important <laughs> to bring up, and I think you can argue that about about Halo Five as well. Is mm-hmm. not necessarily bad, or maybe even very well liked, yeah. but not 
not having that impact, yeah. not not having that feeling of importance that maybe yeah. these these games once like had. I I enjoy them. I enjoy right. Halo Five. I enjoy Ge- right. Gears, but now I don't need one for a while. Right. It, Just it, had another Dead Rising. That it's not the didn't event go so well that it once was. Exactly. You yeah. know, I feel like Forza is always consistent but like always gonna be there mm-hmm. you know there's just nothing where i'm really like clamoring for you know there's no like onimusha let's bring that back there's nothing like microsoft holding hostage that i need you know mm-hmm. sure it's time to wind this this show down cool it off with a few questions from people who wrote in to Frame Trap. You can do the same thing. If you email Ask Easy, you can. Michael Huber. I'd love to read <laughs> Michael Huber's question for Frame Trap. Answer your own question. <laughs> at gmail.com. I'm going to direct it to you. Yeah, we're going to pit Huber v. Huber. Um, yeah. We've uh, got three emails today and we're going to go through. Our first one is from Alexander. He says, Hi, allies. Hi. His first sentence. I miss cheat codes. Me too. Mm -hmm. Back in the 90s, when I was young, I was able to play and enjoy many games because they have some secret combinations to make my life easier. I wasn't fast enough to beat Doom uh, without IDDQD. I wasn't smart and patient enough to finish Heroes of Might and Magic without... Uh, unlimited in an unlimited pool of black dragons. You can say that I was robbing myself and missing the point of playing a game, but because of cheat codes, I was able to enjoy story, design, and some game mechanics of those games I could not play otherwise. And I still remember how scared I was to meet the final boss and return to Castle Wolfenstein, even though I knew I was invincible. Today, I have no problem playing shooters and uh, strategy games on normal difficulties, but there are still games that make me wish I had cheat codes. Last year, I finally played Persona 4 Golden, and each time I was farming to keep up with the enemy, um, I wish there was a way for me to skip the boring part. Do you want to know the the cheat code for Persona 4 Golden? Very easy. Another example is Bloodborne. I've beat the game and enjoyed its combat and its world, but because my experience was so stressful, I stuck to the main path and missed the game's story completely. Because of that stress, I will never play a Souls-like game again, unless there was a way to play without fear of death or losing progress. And I think there is a way to do this respectfully to normal players. Say, if you use cheat codes, you will not get any trophies, and you're not allowed to play online. My question is, do you miss cheat codes? Is there a game or series you would play if you could disable some game aspects by typing a secret code? Um, and I really like the perspective Alexander took on that email because he's absolutely right. Uh, there were games as a kid that I probably wouldn't have tried if I could have that safety of a cheat code. And it does, it does, I think, open it up to people. And that's a very important Mm -hmm. thing that is now entirely locked behind microtransactions. Yeah. Cheat codes aren't for me personally, uh, but I do like beating a game and then going back with cheat codes that yeah, like yeah. really yeah. twist the Second game and how you play. So wait a minute. They are for you, just not the first time through. Not the first time right. through. Right. Yeah. yeah. Creator's intent. Right. Creator's intent. But that's that's kind of the 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 cool thing about cheat codes, right? Yeah. Is they, they added that flexibility to yeah. to the games and now that's that you gotta pay for that mm-hmm. sometimes and that's the closest thing I, I can really think of of the way it has gone is kind of like unlockables. Like Resident Evil Seven 
Yeah. You know, beating beating the game and unlocking like you know the, the yeah, scroll or unlimited yeah. ammo. That's kind of like, like clearly that's essentially like, a cheat code. Yeah. Fun. Mm-hmm. yeah, like but I you I feel it, like mm-hmm. examples like that are are increasingly uncommon. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the example I think of is growing up, I would play a lot of SimCity and Sim Farm and SimCity 2000 and stuff. Right. Was, I would always play. I don't remember, but I would always play it with unlimited money because that wasn't what I was there for. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't actually trying to run a city. I just wanted to build a fun city. Right. Yeah. And I still, to this day, I'll do the same thing with like City Skylines or Planet Coaster where it's like, I'm just going to, you know, sandbox mode. Um, so I've always enjoyed those cheat codes for sure and still do in games like that. Bloodborne stuff, like, yeah, I mean, you'd have to do it where there was an, where you weren't online. You couldn't interface with anyone else. Right. You probably wouldn't get trophies. I mean, for me in that game, like those games they just don't feel like cheat code kind of games. Like mm-hmm. that's not what those games are really about. Right. But I do see that like they are very stressful. So let me pose a question to you Ian Hank. Uh, if a souls game had cheat codes, theoretically, where you could just go in and make yourself invincible or knock all weapons or whatever, but um, you, like you could only do it under certain conditions. Like you had to disable some cool thing about the game. Uh, would it bother you knowing that that stuff was there? Would they, it would dilute, it might in a weird way, like because the temptation. If mm. I just knew in the back of my head, like, right, Ugh, if I can't get past this boss, instead of getting like getting really good at that boss, right. I'll just cheat code past it. Exactly, and and that's how it was going through Doom as a kid. Yeah, is yeah. when I, I would die, the the, just the temptation. You're just I like, uh, right, clip through that, right, God. But like, I mean, I already feel that way about co-oping in Souls sometimes, where mm. I'm like, oh, I can't get through this boss all right, I'm going to fight it with someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Souls games, it's good because they double the health and it's like still a challenge, but sometimes the attention of the boss isn't on you and that really changes things. Yeah. Neo, it's hilarious because it doesn't seem like the boss gets any harder, so you can just roll these things. But like... Really? Yeah, it doesn't seem like they up the health really. But Oh, um, in Neo? Yeah. They do. They do up the health. Oh, okay. Uh, when... Playing with someone else is like real easy on bosses. Yeah, it, I agree. Like, yes, they do up the health. Also, yes, it yes. kind of <laughs> destroys it. Easy. Yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that that's how those games do cheat codes, kind of, is, like, mm. play with someone else. Like, it makes it easier, you know? And it's, it's just, fun I in a different like, way. I feel like now that we're in the, the internet era, too, mm-hmm. it, it, it d- did away with them because it was, like, you know, I, I always think back to N64, Goldeneye, and it's like, yo, I have that cartridge. Nothing can change this cartridge. Like, here it is. Yeah. You know, they can't, like, add levels in or sure. do anything. So I would put the I would use Game Genie to uh, be able to walk through doors. So on facility, uh, when you do four players or or if you I think even two, uh, one of the doors doesn't open. So it's like you know you only get half the level. If you use the Game Genie and you you use walk through doors, the whole back half of the level opens up and now the map is bigger. Uh. So just things like that are cool. But you know in this day and age you would just be like a map pack. Just, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, you, you kind of touched on a bit with like all the the no clip and all that kind of thing because it's, you know, the earliest cheat codes were really just there for testing and debugging and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There was sort of a necessity just to like to be able to get through everything they needed to. It's mm-hmm. like let's skip to level five one. And so like they didn't have, yeah. you know, the more intricate tools. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like. I would like to see somebody bring them back in a fun way to, like, uh, 
that I like actually integrated them into the yeah. game, like made them discoverable, like I don't know, make them a graffiti or something like that, or like you pick up some notebook and you're like, what's this extra word on here? I don't, and then you come across an item or or terminal or something, and it's just like a blank screen. That'd be and nice like, though, but boop. the day the game came out, you would go on a website and well, be like, yo, here's oh, yeah, all the codes for... Here's every like, code in the game that you can find playing, day one of release. Playing Zelda <laughs> yesterday, like, there were times where I'm like, oh, I wonder what this is, and I didn't look it up. Good. Because I'm like, I didn't... I had that too, yeah. I was like, yep. I was like, this feels like the old days, whereas like now right. it's like if you're stuck on a thing, yeah. you know, it's like, I did look up one thing, because I was like, I'm pretty sure this is what we have to do. But just so we don't waste two hours trying to do it, you know, I confirmed it. But, like, that was kind of a different. But then afterwards, I was kind of like, ah, I didn't need to look that up. But, like, it feels good not to look it up because that's a cheat code, too, sort of. Yeah. Anyway. Our next email comes in from Jimmy. Greeting allies from the Midwest. It seems to me that the popularity of difficult games has soared in recent years. Games like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Neo, and Darkest Dungeon continue to challenge players and beckon newcomers forward. However, my question isn't about those games, but quite literally the opposite. I'm curious to know which games you enjoy where you feel almost unstoppable. For me, uh, those games are Just Cause 3, Prototype, and Shadow of Mordor spring to mind. So which games do you enjoy playing where you can turn off your brain and crush all in your path? Thanks for the hours and hours of endless entertainment. Diablo 3. Yeah. Because <laughs> even when you die, it doesn't really feel like it matters. <laughs> and you're just, I think part of that unstoppable feeling is you're just killing so, so much guys. so quickly. I have a Paragon level 220, I think, uh, wizard. Mm-hmm. I solo on Torment 8, I think now, and like, I just stand in one place and do millions of points of damage <laughs> yeah. per second to multiple people at once. So you mm-hmm. can power level the hell out of me as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could, I, you'd be, I've, I've actually done that with people, like yeah. people jump in apprentice <laughs> mode. They don't even have to do anything, just from my passives. Yeah. Like, first level, they level up three times, like, one lightning strike for me, they get three, three levels. That's cool. It's hilarious, but that um, game is one of them. Uh, Assassin's Creed is sure. my turn off my brain franchise. Uh, <laughs> it is, they're so soothing to play. I love just chilling out in some Assassin's Creed. They'll, you know, the visually they're always great to look at and just be in, like Black Flag on the Ocean, Syndicate yeah. in London. Um, the the only time I'm really zoned in is when I'm trying to assassinate like a big target. So it's like you get some of those moments once in a while, but then other than that, it's like. All right, just running around, climbing around, hanging out. Blood, do you have any where you just enjoy feeling unstoppable? <laughs> oh, man. I've been trying to come up with something. I'm sure there's something. <laughs> Mine, I, I don't know if this technically counts, but uh, in in Disgaea, you know, it's a strategy RPG, and you can grind to overcome things, but I feel like in Disgaea, they give you so many tools, and you, you can build your characters up so like you're doing billions of damage yeah. and just getting to that point where it's just a comically absurdly long number uh is is <laughs> really fun and something I, I greatly enjoy but yeah I, I i like this question a lot because i think a lot of times games like souls and bloodborne and neo and darkest dungeon are like seen as superior just because they're they're so difficult and you have to think so much and that's More fine if water, you prefer baby. that 
Yeah, Total exactly. Balance, ebb and flow. I don't. Yin and yang. They're seen superior because they're very well made games. <laughs> they are very well made games, but I think there, I think there is valuable. There is a value in just making it feel good. Yeah. Even if it's easy, I, I think I don't think being easy or not requiring a lot of thought is necessarily bad. Sometimes, like in Yakuza, I don't feel like I'm thinking a lot when I go into yeah. a fight. I just want to hit people in the face because they make it look so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that's that's okay. Uh, not everything has to be kind of kind of combo on the previous question with this question. I think about times where you find an exploit or something that takes work to do. Right. But then you are like I mean like mm-hmm. uh, Final Fantasy Tactics with the calculator. Sure. Class, you know, mm-hmm. like if you get a calculator beefed up, you can basically destroy anything. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Sorry. stuff like that. It's like it's fun, but it took you a while. You had to grind to get it or get that yeah. special weapon or whatever. Our last email, uh, I pulled this one specifically for Huber. Nice. Because of, of language that he's used in the past. But I, I, I like it as a general question as well. Uh, this is from Alex. He says, Hey, allies. My favorite game of all time is Dragon's Dogma. Yeah. Mm. I love yeah, Dragon's pick. Dogma. Cool pick. However, if Smart I was going person. to review it and give it a score, I probably would only give it a seven. You're amazing. As it oh, does absolutely. have problems, yeah. especially for no, the expansion. No, garbage. <laughs> so my question for the panel is, do you, go, do you guys feel the same way about any other title? Is there something you love dearly, but which may not reflect in the score or stars that you would give it? Yeah, Ratchet and Clank, best example. Boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, reviewed the game, gave it three and a half. Personally, it's Ratchet and Clank. Uh, I'm deeply and intimately attached to this franchise since its origins. Uh, personally, uh, it's way better than that because it's it's just so fun and jolly that I just get to hang out in. Right. But like objectively looking at it, uh, I felt like it was a step back from a crack in time. Yeah. Uh, and it relied too much on the original, which some people appreciate. I didn't really appreciate that. Right. Was that it was basically just like playing the PS2 game. Um. Yeah, I think that's an example. Yeah, it, and it's it's a problem that I run into when when talking about games is is with reviews and the way people are conditioned, it's okay, this this didn't get an 8 or a 9, therefore it's trash. It's like, no, you can it's okay to love things that have very serious problems and it's just it feels like a message that doesn't get through like Osura's Wrath mm-hmm. is mm. a game that when when I talk about it, I get so excited and passionate because the story and how it uses quick time events is amazing. Yeah. But the action game parts are are bad, but it doesn't just because those parts are bad, it doesn't make the good parts any less good deadly premonition yeah. how it uses humor yeah. and and the story that it tells fantastic plays like gutter trash but but that doesn't mean it isn't worth your time i think i think you'll enjoy more things and you'll be a happier person if you're able to kind of separate that mm-hmm. stuff in your mind and if you're willing to be more adventurous and if you're not you're not so quick to dismiss something just because it has one really bad feature. Yeah. 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 I mean, even For Honor, like, I wish I could give that game five stars. That game was made for me personally. Right. I still, <laughs> I still got a lot of heat even giving it four stars, which is upsetting because, you know, I went to school for six years to study journalism and to study ethics in journalism. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I can disconnect myself from something I love to look at it objectively. Yeah. Um, and that that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, I think about, like, when I'm, now I'm just thinking about Dragon's Dogma, because that game is, like, beautiful, beautiful, perfect, wonderful, amazing game. That is terrible. 
Like that well, game makes no sense, and it's the best. I think it has some really beautiful, amazing things. Oh, and some every really every terrible single thing things. about Dragon's Dogma is flawless. It's a six out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Dragon's Dogma is fascinating. But I'm thinking about it's like fascinating. I'm thinking about like Seventh Guest or something, where it's like right. this is a bad game. Like there's mm-hmm. some bad, stupid crap in here. Right. But I love it to pieces. And I think like yeah. m- mood and like the moment something gets you and nostalgia to a certain extent, but like I'd never played Pokemon snap before in my entire life. And we streamed it a couple months ago here and I loved it to pieces, you know, not an amazing game. No, it's pretty simple. Not even well, that well, it? like, well, is it? Yeah. But it's not even like flawlessly executed, you know, uh-huh. but like, Oh man, the way professor Oak judges those pr- pictures, yeah. maybe a little <laughs> questionable. Well, like that, yeah. that butt is not a face. Yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, and that was centered. Like, yeah. let's face it. Blood, are there any games that that kind of fit this description for you? Yeah, my my classic one that I'm sure I brought up before is uh, Opuna on the Wii. Sure. Like the vibe of that game is just so happy and just joyous, and he's got this little cutie round dude going mm. around solving people's problems, and you do everything on the nunchuck for whatever weird reason. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like somebody just decided, like, as almost like a game jam project. It's like, just let's make a game that just uses a nunchuck. Right. And, um, Impossible. But it's actually, it like, that done. combat feels pretty cool, you yeah. know? And But at the same time, it's like, uh, I think I ended up giving it a 6.9 because it's like, the story, like, you go through like the first two thirds of the game before you get engaged in the story. Like there's just like all of this weird like artificial bullcrap with like repeating chores over and over again and stuff like that. And then I got I came across part part a part of the game where like there's like this big earthquake or something like that, and there was no sound effect. <laughs> it was just it's just happening and the screen's sort of shaking, but there was yeah I'm like okay guys. And then the thing that like really got me like down to like p- below the seven w- was I-, I-, I went through all this and you know it's an RPG it's a fairly long game and then there's not really an ending like you d- you beat the last thing and then you get knocked out in the middle of it and then you wake up on the spaceship and your 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 family's taking you back home Whoa, like, dude, like what about all the strange. what all the people what about all the people I just helped. I don't get to say anything about all this time that I invested in this world. I'm just gone. We're just gone. <laughs> There's not an ending there. <laughs> I want to uh, make an album called Below the Seven. Below the Seven. <laughs> but I, I'm sure you guys have encountered this as well. I like what. <laughs> thank goodness for the sixes. Thank goodness for the sevens that make this thing that we love so much more interesting. These these ugly, beautiful things. Yeah. Because I'm sure you've played games. Where you you try to remove your yourself from it and go well this is really well made but not exciting in any way mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's just it's just kind of like a machine whereas I I need those deadly premonitions I need I those dragons dog I need them I need them to kind of to kind of kickstart perspective right that like oh we don't have to follow yeah. this br- blueprint we because they're make always like weird. going for something specific that's right. incredible and something you didn't not, know you wanted yeah maybe not everything else like al- yeah. aligns to what they were going for but like right. there's so much good in so many games right and then when you get something you know again playing through all those sixes and sevens then you know as Zelda Breath of the Wild comes out mm-hmm. and you're like whoa this is a ten yeah it's all just 
And with that, <laughs> we're going to end this to go play some more Zelda. <laughs> uh, thank you, panel, for your energy, your knowledge, all of that great stuff. I, I enjoyed this Frame Trap. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Again, if you want to write in to Frame Trap and uh, give us a question that's going to get us all excited or sad or any sort of strong emotion, email askeasyallies at gmail.com. Please, uh, if you want to continue this kind of thing, if you like us, if you like what we have to say, uh, and you're not already, go to patreon.com slash easyallies. Consider us giving a dollar, five dollars, whatever you can. Uh, It really helps us do bigger and better things, and we greatly appreciate it. Until the next time.